Harvey and Crane on Hale Varsity Radio with Andrew Rogers and Damon Benning. 3-1 pitch is hit high and deep. Left field. He got it. There's your home run. A big fly for Paul Goldschmidt. Number 19. And the Cardinals jump back out on top. And that was a no-doubter to left. The 1-2. Grilled. Deep right field. Davis going back. Looks up. This one is gone. Jonathan Arauz trips one into the right field bullpen. A two-run home run. And the Mets vault in front. Five to two. Marcus swings and hammers one down the left field line. If it's fair, it's gone. Hooking towards the pole. Out of here. A three-run home run for Marcus Simeon. The Rangers have opened this one wide open on Marcus's 19th blast of the year. It's 9-0. Comes the pitch and a high drive center field. Well hit. Back goes Rodriguez to the track, to the wall, and gone. Salvador Perez. Royals lead 3-0. Well, you know, that's trying to be our brand of football. You know, we talk about being RDV, relentless, disciplined, and violent. And we want to be violent on the perimeter, and we want to be violent when we catch the football. Uh, but the first one is violent on the perimeter. And so they saw those older guys. They saw Ty Hahn, Alex Bullock, um, you know, Marcus Billy. They saw them on the perimeter kind of stick their face in it. And, uh, you know, it kind of showed them, hey, this is how we do things. Welcome in to Coffee and Cream on a Tuesday morning. Robbie Lula here with you. Damon Benning. As You're so subdued. I'm subdued. Welcome in. Do you want me to – you want me to I- – how do you want me to do? I don't know. I almost said at the same time you did. You know, we kind of looked at each other like, you, you me, we, you, hey, you, me. We locked eyes. <laughs> I got the vibe. <laughs> Zip it, DV. <laughs> nah, I'm just playing. No, yeah, we're joining you here on a Tuesday. It's another going, great day. Going up on a Tuesday. We got the, uh, the OG, Shane Schillerberg, over there. What up, Shane? Live. Awesome. Thank you, guys. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, we kind of got the feel this morning that Shane's a little squirrely. You think so? Uh, yeah, he's kind of running it pretty good. Okay. Going to have to put a muzzle on it. Well, he's on He's on some Red Bulls, I saw, so that's always uh, a dangerous combination. Yeah, you got to get out of that glass house, though, because I see a C4 over there. Oh, yeah. Yeah, no. be- best wishes with that bad boy. Listen, I'm on these all the time. It's all good. Man. I do, I don't know, a couple of weeks. So I got off of those a couple of years ago. Yeah. And uh, on a humbug. They make you like a little jittery? Decided to grab one. Uh Uh-oh. Yeah, they hit different. (laughs) They really do. (laughs) Because I'm I'm not a – man, that's a little bit of cap. Like, I'm not what I would call like an energy drink guy. I'm kind of a – a healthier energy drink guy, like either a fit soda or okay, a probiotic, like a pop soda, or my go-to are those amino energies. Those are pretty solid, man. The green apple. The green apple. I need a little bit more pop this than that. This drink is on fire. <laughs> I need a little bit more pop than that. Hey, would you lose your mind? Would you lose your mind if I could sing? I mean, you're not as bad as I think you think I'm, you are. I'm, I'm, it's it's pretty horrible. Like sometimes Shane will do like these renditions just to be funny, and he doesn't. Not the ones that he plays over there. Like he's got a lot in the can that he just doesn't <laughs> lay out and waste me over. And 
I'm not going to. All we can control is what we can control. Exactly, Marcus, <laughs> and I can hear you just fine. Boy, the crybaby's talking about the audio, man. Move on. Yeah. I can't hear Marcus. Uh, Listen, Marcus ain't trying to be heard, man. I mean, Cam is 16 days out. He's got a 24-year-old wide receiver coach. We need some bodies. Yeah, they do need some bodies. And uh, we're mad about walk-ons again. Big body, big target. Put it on them and let them roll. Yeah, put it on them and let them roll, man. Rare combination of size and speed. Get it to Dawson, the open (laughs) field, man. Let him roll. Take it up a notch. Yeah, kick it up a notch, Jeff. Who's Not really. Who's mad about walk-ons? Nobody. You've been hanging out on message boards again? Key, key sweat. Well, let, you've let, been hanging out on the message boards again? Uh, I peruse from time to time. I kind of just give likes. Yeah. I don't, I don't say a whole lot. You no, know? but you're, you're kind of feeling do, out the vibe, yeah, right? Do you, but do you know? But I realize that is really the uh, non-vocal textual minority. Yes. Like that is a very – that's a niche uh, one, of a niche. 100%. Like if Twitter's a niche, message boards are like – a niche of a niche. Are you cool with X? I don't care. Yeah. Do you like? I mean. Do you ever, do you want to grow up? Get get them boys. Yeah, we got to do a little. Dun, dun, dun. X gonna give it to you. R.I.P. Yeah, pour one out for our guy. Yeah, yes sir. It is not <laughs> a stinking game. <laughs> as long as it works, I don't care what they call it. My issues are when it like glitches out and stuff, and <laughs> it, th- then I have some problems. It, it, uh, glitches out. That glitches out have you ever seen wreck it ralph uh no i don't watch cartoons that's right i forgot you're part of the no fun police it's not because i don't have fun it's do you want to borrow my kids no i'm good my (laughs) wife tough hang my wife would she likes hanging out with kids she just likes giving them back yeah like that's That's cool maybe she can toughen zoe up because well she met zoe she she seems like she's kind of no nonsense oh yeah she uh because she met zoe when we were watching the fight together yeah so yeah, she she thinks Zoe's like right as wild, cute as a bean. She uh she woke up this morning, and uh, it's uh, it's something else. Yeah, it got a lot of hair. She on one today. I called her. I called her the lioness, and <laughs> you know I run her bathwater before I bounce. Yeah, because I. Listen, these are the days, and I know what I signed up for, so I'm not playing the violin or the cello or whatever the stringed instruments are. Like, don't cry for me, Argentina, but. I saw her for all of six minutes yesterday. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Because I went right from Westside to go coach Micah. Yeah. And she obviously was at school. And she was trying her darndest to wait up for me. But I didn't roll in until like 840. Mm. They it's tough rolling. when they're this age, too, because they go to bed so early. Yeah. yeah right? Yeah. So, yeah. like, you've got – you could get to home at a reasonable time. Like, if you get to home at 8 – you still only get like half hour yeah, with her, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's just part of that age, you yeah. know? And Not uh, that I know, but that's about the time that I try. Well, to well, you are the guy that said kids are a tough hang, so well, I don't know if you want to know. No, so I, I don't want to know. <laughs> but that's when I try. I get to my brother's house about 8.30 because I know that's when the kids are yeah, going down. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't have to like spend an inordinate amount of time with them. Yeah, that's wild. Well, but, no, it's like I see them for like five minutes. They're like, oh, Garavi's here. They like, lose their minds. They're super happy. It's like, all right, kids, peace. We call that a tease. <laughs> Shane, how's my camera angle? I need my man Thomas Frenchat to tell me. He usually always tells me how I look on camera. But um, the arm thing that's on here, 
I totally all the way hijack. No, I mean, you look I, I, you look okay in the camera. I kind of want to do that to mine because I feel like it's always like in my face. Yeah, see, I'm not that guy. Right? Yeah. It's like back up off me. Yours has a proper distance now. Does it? Also, anytime I move my hand now, it looks like I'm like face palming the camera because it's too close. Talk to the hand. Talk so, to the hand. Yeah, I'm not trying to do like my 90s stuff. B- Bernie Mac. <laughs> She's going to walk her little bow-legged ass downstairs. <laughs> what you doing? I'm getting some milk and cookies. Nah, I probably can't even say that on air. Shane, could I do a Bernie Mac skin on air? Right there. You could maybe do from the Bernie Mac show. That was on network television, so you could probably get away with it. Yeah. Network television and radio rules are pretty similar. I feel like we had to RIP a couple of more guys. You got RIP Bernie Mac, too. Oh, yeah. Pour one out for Bernie Mac. Yeah, man. Like Pour one out for my guy. Just my, my I just I pour it out, but I pour it in my mouth so we don't just waste. Just do it as a tribute. You'd be fine. This goes out to my homies with that gangster lean. <laughs> That was DRS. Do you remember them? I don't remember DRS. Yeah, you probably would have been in middle school. What years are we talking? I don't know. That's why we Google. Wait, if I was severe, I would say GRB. Gangster Lean. Yeah, I mean, the song sounds familiar, but I'm not. This fam- goes out to my homies. That was, oh, yeah. I mean, that was 1993. Yeah. Yeah, so that's my bad. That's you were, not middle you were school. You are Jimmy the Sixer. <laughs> You're like you're like rolling over there to Pacific Heights or wherever it is. I just made that up. Like, what was your middle school or your elementary? Montclair. Is that still around? Yeah. It's in my parents' neighborhood. Montclair. Yep. Is it public or private? Public. Oh, okay. It's uh, I didn't I, go I didn't go private school. Come on, man. <laughs> oh, that's right. Come on. What do I look <laughs> that's like? You guys are trying to save money. Well <laughs> for a scholarship. Well, listen, I mean I don't know. It's it's Omaha's kind of one of the I think unique situations where, like, I feel like the public schools in Omaha, most of them at least. Yeah. I used to date a girl named Unique. Are, <laughs> are on par with most of the private schools two, in the rest of the country. Two, two strangest names of girls I've ever dated. Unique and Fatima. Fatima. I've heard of Fatima before yeah. as a name. She's an itty-bitty little thing. Little yeah. cutie pie. I, I blame that one on Jerome Boone. Come on, Jerome Boone. What I are know. we doing here? Him, him and Coach Crandall. What are we doing here? Yeah. Give See, me a hard time. Can't go over there with those guys over in Country Club. Yeah. That was really far north when I was a kid. See, was I, it? I, yeah, because I lived off of Fort, and they were like. Oh, you mean like Omaha Country Club? Yeah. Okay, because there's a neighborhood called Country Club kind of over by Morton Meadows. That is not far north. Mor- no, Morton Meadows. That's like Pacific area? Yeah, it's just south of Dodge. But there's an area called Country Club. No, this right is country club. You mean like, Omaha Country Club? Correct. That is way north. It's yeah. still way north. Yeah. Well, I had a cu- and I had another couple of buddies um, that lived in Raven Oaks. Where's and that one at? Raven Oaks is north too. It's off of like 60th and North Freeway. Okay. So that's not and a, and a part of town. I had a couple t- guys in Ponca. No, it's it's good. I've been there. around Ponca. That's where all the Northwest guys went. Was Raven Oaks? Yeah, like they were on that side of town, like north of Crown Point. So and there I, didn't used to be much over there. Yeah. No, I, I'm familiar with Ponca. I've been over in Ponca a little bit. Yeah. Um, used to go to the Forgot Store. But I think, like, Raven Oaks is like a little west of Ponca, right? Uh, correct. Yeah, yeah. So I didn't, I wasn't in Raven Oaks a ton. Correct. Yeah. Ponca's a nice place, though. Nice neighborhood. Yeah. I saw, so I took Zoe with me uh, about... This is still when I was paying for food out. So we went to um, Alpine Inn. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, there was a there were a couple of deers. Yeah. 
doe, a deer, a female <laughs> deer, Ray, a golden drop of sun. Did you watch like America's Got Talent or something last night? You're you're rocking the songs. This no, morning. but so on the way home from practice last night and last night before I went to bed, I was on Spotify. Oh, okay, yeah. See, it's because you heard my jukebox stories, and you're like, I got to get my jukebox game right. So really what what the catalyst was yeah. was uh, Collide. It's a song. <laughs> so stupid. Shane. He's just so <laughs> stupid. He's going to fight you. So, <laughs> he does. so stupid. Was uh, TikTok. Ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, TikTok. And, I, you know, we were talking about setting the – since we're just not landing the plane at all this morning, just strictly entertainment. I didn't even know we had taken off yet. Um, well, much remind, we're live from <laughs> much less H&A H&A Chevrolet Studios. I was, I was like, hey, we should probably set up the show yeah, since we well, did yesterday. Well, we get to that. <laughs> um, you can get to us on the YouTube channel. We're on uh, AM590, of course. Yes, Thank you for being a part of what we do. But listen, so um, uh, the Danos guy, we were talking about, gosh, I had to set, reset my. You were like algorithm. Yeah. Yeah. Algorithm. I always want to say logarithm. Uh, it's algorithm. Algorithm, right? yeah. Oh, okay, smart guy. I like see that little condescending <laughs> passive aggressive stuff <laughs> low key gets under my skin. But I, I'm used to it. I so don't even like, mean to do oh, it. Oh of course like, not. It's no, totally no, involuntary. No, no, I know I get it. It's like, yeah, that's pretty dumb. It's it's algorithm. No, <laughs> but um, I think I used to say logarithm, too, and nobody, like, ever corrected me. Well, yeah, I think a lot of people probably don't know the difference, and I'd have a hard time articulating the difference, but I know it's algorithm. Is there articulable suspicion? <laughs> I get a lot of uh, police arrests or bad arrests or whatnot to do on my TikTok. Yeah. Kind of weird because I try to stay above the fray. I'll say I don't watch those. Those give me anxiety. I don't like those. I've been walking around. Shane, is that the fray? No, it's not the fray. No. The fray no, is. Uh, I'm gonna use oh, that's Kings of that's Leon. That's Kings of Leon. No, the fray Wait, is like. Did, uh, did that just roll off your Rolodex? You like that this morning? I don't love Kings box? of Leon, but I. I it, like that song. But they're like in my sweet spot, music-wise, in terms of time. Time. Like they were very prominent in some of my C- more. Cindy Lauper, Lou Albano time, like after time? No, that's a little before my time. Because guess what? If you fall, I ain't catching <laughs> a goddamn thing. <laughs> But anyway, I was on TikTok, and between that and the – so the cooking thing is back. Yeah, okay. Right, Good. like, because my buddy, the one that said that he likes your personality. Yeah. Um, so he told me, he texted me one time during the morning show. He's like, hey, man, you know you can reset that thing. So he didn't necessarily tell me how. He just said you could do it, so I went in my profile, and I had Start to push like 67 buttons. I'm yeah. not kidding. I did it twice because I'm like, well, this sucks. It didn't really work. Yeah. But now I'm getting a lot of the Danos guy. Okay. And Danos is in Danos seasoning. And he was singing while he was cooking. Ah. Uh, so then I was like, yeah, I kind of, well, I remember that song. Kind of got you vibing a little bit. Yeah, you know, he kind of drops food on the floor. And he makes what seems like complicated recipes pretty simple. Okay. So that's to land the plane at, that's where the music thing came Speaking off. of TikTok, so I was... As you can see, I have a lot of beverages here. Yeah, like you look like you went to the grocery store. That's a little much. Yeah, it's aggressive. Um, and why so many Dr. Peppers? Are you not going home? No, I, so here, this is where I was getting to with the TikTok thing. So what, what have the? you gotten on like ADHD TikTok at all? No. 
So that's the last thing I need. Well, no. So it's unless like, it teaches you how to manage it, it does. Yeah, a lot of it is like. Well, first of all, it like diagnoses you because I didn't realize I probably have ADHD. Dude, do you have any extra Adderall? <laughs> I don't. I am not medicated for Say, it. Can I say that out loud? I, it should be cool. At least it's not Omniprec or Ceph or Pre or whatever everybody's taking. I don't even know what those are. I know what Adderall is, but people are just gonna be <laughs> whining. <laughs> People are just going to be winding up keeling over, man, trying to do that stuff for weight loss. It's like over the long haul, that's not healthy for you. But, hey, knock yourself out. Teach their own. Uh, but, no, so I kind of got on this. I kind of got that's on my little buddy. this, like, 80. She's, she's a teenager. No, now. she's hilarious. Yeah. Hello, um, my, lo- my wife loves the bats video. I was waving. I did. I was like, who's over there? Freaking bats. Freaking bats. Um, my wife loves that video. She's a little cutie pie. But so I got on this like ADHD TikTok stuff and it's like, hey, have you like, do you like do all these things? It's like, yeah, you probably have adult ADHD and you were never diagnosed. And I was like, oh man, they're just calling me out like this. But the like drinks are one of them where you have like several drinks all the time. It's like, they call them like, <laughs> it's dumb. They call them like emotional support water bottles. It's like people like that can't. Oh, that not might be like why take I carry a wa- this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I have one of these with me at all times. But then I go, like, a further step. The idea of not having something to drink gives me anxiety. Oh, dang. I think we're in the same game. So, like, I bring extra understanding it's way too much because I don't want to rely on someone else to make sure I have something to drink. You know how gangs have street names? Yeah. We should be, like, Liquid Block. (laughs) Hey man, what what sets you claiming? Hey, we're on. I'm I'm down with Liquid Block. We're on the and we just throw up like L's. <laughs> we need to get like a Q in and there everybody too. be like, like losers. <laughs> yeah, we're on Liquid Block. We're the we're the Yeti gang. So that that's that's a lot. The last it so, is. So it's, full yeah. disclosure, I watched a dude ru- ruin a uh, pork shoulder doing mm. the Dr Pepper method, and he's a young kid. He's always doing like yeah, but I he mean, shows you the bad stuff. It's not always his good stuff. Sure, which I appreciate. So his pellet smoker ran out of. Pellets. Oh, that's no good. And he, his little girl got on his phone and, like, killed his battery. So he, it was – his temp thing wasn't set. He goes, I don't know what color this pork is supposed to be, but I'm going to try to pull this thing anyway because when he walked out in the morning, it was down to, like, 106. Yeah. And he pulled it and it was he not. ate it anyway. But, yeah, but then he warmed it up in the skillet. I was like, eh, that kind of defeats the purpose. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. I guess we should probably stick to this. Let's set – well, pff, I don't care. What let's, is happening today? Let's set the show up. Uh, by the way, we're powered by Currency here I'm on Hail Varsity Radio. Big, yeah. big, big Currency yeah. guy. Um, yeah. We've yeah. got yeah. a bunch of stuff for you today. We've got Tom Deanhart coming up at 745. We're going to talk some Purdue. Purdue. Uh, we've got our guy B. Vogues, Brandon Vogel, coming up at yes. 8 o'clock. And OG. We got Scott Docterman talking Iowa at 845. It was between Doc and Lestacow, and we went with Doc. But Lestacow had a nice little synopsis on the hiring of Fickle and Rule. Ooh, I saw Lestacow in Indy. Yeah. He took a deep dive into both coaches. Ooh, that's nice. Yeah, I'll, I'll send we you should, the link. Well, so we should get him. Cost um, you 99 cents, but. That's all right. And number or at nine o'clock, we've got not at number nine. At nine o'clock, we've got Mike J. Schaefer uh, joining us. Is this the first week of his new time slot, Shane? No, we had him last week. First week for you. Yeah, you, what did you have to rub it in? <laughs> uh, yeah, that's tr- very true. Um, you know what I mean? Just like to remind you that some of us worked last week. I don't, you know, L block. <laughs> down, remember, we're down with L block. The Yeti gang. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, I didn't finish the pork butt story. He did a Dr Pepper thing. So he, so he pulled work. a Shane, and he bought two cases of Dr. Pepper, even though he only needed five cans. Okay. And um, 
he he seasoned it late. He kind of scored it. Mm. My man scored it with a pocket knife. I mean, he's super OG. Like, that's, he didn't give a what. That's a move. Yeah, so I kind of like the fact not everything he does is perfect. Yeah, that dude would probably give my wife, like, a heart attack. Like, she doesn't like when people are kind of hey, so there's, improvising. So there's two people I'm addicted to. Yeah. One, you know, good thing you're not severe because he would say that I'm – like I'm, um, what's the word? What's the heavy set dude that used to always be on TikTok, and he and he would say it's uh, oh exploitation. Oh, okay. So there's this girl, Sakias. She always, she's always, she's always eating, mm-hmm. right? And she's um, mildly ob- ob- She's a little bigger. Ob- obese. Okay, a little ob- bigger. Yeah. So <laughs> she's constantly cooking, and everything she says is, "Hey, y'all." Like, that's how she starts yeah. the video. She's constantly eating, right? But she has, like, over a million followers. Sh- she's funny. Mm-hmm. But the other dude is, he's Southern, I think he's Southern vibing. Mm-hmm. And he, he starts out every TikTok with, oh, my Lord, oh, you I'm to- about to learn, y'all. You told me about him. And, and I was like, I don't think I could listen to that. Every video. But so now what I started doing, because some of his I mean, he he did teach me how to, like, debone a wing. Okay, yeah. And how to make chicken drumsticks, like, slicing around the tendon. But his shoe, his shoe game is kind of like what you do. Like, he's always in a different pair of nice tennis shoes. Mm. And he has that, He you know, he's from the south, like maybe Louisiana. Yeah, a little bit of Cajun. And he always says, now you got to bust the meat on down. <laughs> so, in my head, I always say that to myself. But, yeah, that was, like. 18 minutes of random. That's all right. Anyway, good morning. Just in case people are wondering, I'm ro- ro- rocking the uh, all-white Air Jordan 1. I, I like those. Those are the ones. Yep. I The ones are one of my favorite pairs of uh, shoes. I, I, have on some, I have on some old-school knit Adidas. See, I've I've started wearing more knit. I like the knit shoes. Me too. I Part of, part of it is – Are my ankles ashy? I don't think so. I think you look all right. All right. Um, can, can I do that on camera? <laughs> yeah, it's fine. Oh, my gosh, yes. Yes. Dude, you can tell I'm all the way back at work, right? Um, by the way, you can get a hold of us, 888-638-4876. Oh, he's a professional. Get us, give us a call. See if you think Damon's ankles are ashy. You can let I, us know. I always tell the kids at practice when they try to get on me, it's where the hair doesn't grow. So it's yeah. a little bit different so like, color. Yeah, so it's a little discolored. Yeah, because no, I, I wear right. no-shows, yeah. man. It ain't the tan. And I keep my arms good so there's no farmer thing going yeah, on. Yeah, you always you wear hey, long sleeves. Though. Oh, man, mine's bad. So, like, hey. you see that tan line right there? Yeah. Come on, man. <laughs> what are we doing? <laughs> Just showing off our tan line. Ring so around the Robbie. <laughs> uh, it's bad. No, look at the glasses one. You see the one? You see the glasses one? Oh, yeah. It's yeah. rough. So, yeah. what do you do outside? I play pickleball. Oh, that's right. You did say you'd wear me out. And that was aggressive, too. By just No, I didn't say I'd wear you out. I'd say I'd wear Coach Rule. Well, I know, but you're like, I'm pretty good. Well, like, well, you know. So people play pickleball across the street from me all the time. Yeah? Yeah. Yeah, and I, it's, I get after Wow, it. no. What? No offense, but he, you guys kind of look alike. <laughs> and he plays every day. <laughs> it's a, uh. It's a popular sport amongst my My people. bad. <laughs> yeah, I haven't thought about it. Man, me neither. <laughs> Just roll right off the tongue, Coach Rule. <laughs> and he looks like he's nice. Yeah, no, there's, uh, there's a lot it's, of... It's popular? It is. It's a popular activity amongst the, uh, you know, 
the South Asian community in Omaha. Um, <laughs> hey, that's the first segment. I don't know what's coming up next. Oh, I think we'll still shoot. be here. That's yeah. Damon Benning. <laughs> I'm Robbie Lula, Shane Chillenberg. Get into a couple of coaches. We'll talk about clips. sports at some point. Maybe next. Probably. Yeah. More coffee and cream next. Coffee and cream with Rogers and Benning on Hale Varsity Radio. It's steep, but by no stretch of the imagination would we be that hard-headed. If that was going to be detrimental to a kid being able to go out there and function and be able to play with, you know, uh, with his speed, then we would definitely scale back anything we had to. We're not the, we're not an organization that's going to say this is what we do. You got to figure it out. Like we're going to maximize the, the athletic traits of our kids and let them play freely. I can vibe with that. Yeah, absolutely. Welcome back to Coffee and Cream. That's Damon Benning. I'm Ravi Lula. We are here live from the H and H Chevrolet studio. And we, uh, we've got a lot to get to today. There's yeah. low-key actually a lot going on. Oh, yeah, for as sure. As you probably could not tell by our first segment. Yeah, you know, it was, you got to ease into yeah, it. Yeah, you got to, you know, you don't yeah, have you to can't, jump can't, right in the deep end. You can't shoot your shot right off the bat. You know, you got to kind of get yeah. a lay of the land. Um, but I'm glad Shane not played that. Not everybody can be down with L Block. <laughs> Takes some, you know, we're not for everyone, much, no. like, much like Nebraska. We're not for everyone. <laughs> Um, hey, we're not going to do that. It's detrimental. We're not going to do that as an organization. That was a really interesting thing I thought that Satterfield said. Right? Kind of flew under the radar. Yeah. Cause I, and I wrote it down almost exactly word for word what that clip was that Shane played is, we will scale back whatever we have to, this is summarizing, to maximize the athletic traits of our kids. Like, that sounds really duh. <laughs> Right? Hey, how's that sound again? Duh. <laughs> but how many times, like, have we seen, oh, this guy just doesn't know to play. We can't get him in the game. Oh. Oh. Like, it, you – and I've said this for years. And tell me, I might be totally out of line here. Probably. Most likely. That tends to be what <laughs> – I mean, I'm going to go ahead. If you <coughs> preface it with that, I'm going to go ahead and ride with it. I might – you know, that's kind of where I live. It's fine. But I've said for years, like, you can't tell me that these – Guys that are playing as true freshmen at the Alabama, Ohio State, LSU's of the world Mm -hmm. are all football savants that get the playbook memorized like that. (laughs) You can't tell me that. I don't believe it. So they're doing something to get those guys on the field that Nebraska doesn't do. And I get they're more developed in certain areas and things like that. Yeah, but so are their peers. Yes, Right? They're still. It's all relative. The right? guys that they're competing against for jobs are also better. Yeah. So, on a scale here, we should be about even. Maybe even it's easier to get on the field theoretically at Nebraska because the guys ahead of you maybe aren't as good. Right. Those guys aren't going to the NFL like the guys at Alabama are. Right? Well. So, I mean, tell me if I'm crazy. But if they can do it at those places, why hasn't Nebraska been able to do it? That's something I've never been able to figure out, and nobody's ever been able to give me a good answer yeah, to. No, I'm vibing. I, I'm, I'm definitely vibing with you. And isn't it weird? Because that was in regards to Doss. Yeah, the wide receivers, right? So, um, you know, they say he's kind of this combination of, of size and speed. And I don't really know how big he is, but I guess when you look at like a – uh, Jalen Lloyd or a, a, a Malachi Coleman sure. or, you know, Ty, some of these guys that are a little more angular mm-hmm. and, and thin. Uh, 
And I think the thing that I liked about Doss is that he's, I mean, he's still got to be able to run some sort of a semblance of routes. Yes. Right? But a lot of the fan base thinks really conventional like you did, right? Like, hey, listen, if you're fast, I don't care if it's a skinny, if it's a fade, if it's a go route, like if it's an over route, like just do that. (laughs) Well, and it's not, for me, it's not just about the speed, right? I understand that there is a skill to route running. I understand that being a great route runner can overcome maybe some physical deficiencies in terms of, you know, look at some of the guys in the NFL, right, that have made great careers, like a Cooper Cup, for instance. Not the most physically impressive guy in the Would world. Would you rather be Cooper Cup or one more one-dimensional like DK Metcalf? I mean, I'd rather look like DK Metcalf. That dude's like jacked up, 6'5", like – yeah, that's too big for me. But six five is probably on the tall end of what I would want to be. But I mean, Cooper Cup could walk down the street and you wouldn't even know he's a professional athlete, right? <laughs> he's got like the Greg Maddox type deal a little <laughs> yeah, bit, yeah. just like very unassuming, just kind of a normal sized guy who just happens to be awesome at football. Um, I don't know. It's prob- I've always valued skill more than physical ability, so I probably go Cooper Cup. Yeah. In terms of, you'll take a shooter over a rim runner. Yeah, I, I mean, you know, I'm a Steph guy, so that that kind of is – I'm a big, like, Pistol Pete guy. I like the skill sets, right? So give me a skill set over a physical freak. But I think with the Nebraska receivers and kind of what Nebraska has been doing in general is – Hang on real quick. Yeah. So Maddox or Clemens? Oh, Maddox. I'm a Maddox guy. Well, I hate Clemens for other reasons. Oh, God. I'm not saying – listen, I'm not saying Maddox was better or more dominant. The I red, pre- no, and I'm not getting that. I prefer that, Maddox. The Red Sox guy hates Clemens? Because – I mean, it's because of how he went down. He totally mailed in the end of his career with the Red Sox, goes to the Rays – or to the, to the Jays, all of a sudden's like, oh, I guess I'm good again. Like, there is a lot of animosity towards Clemens in the Red Sox nation. <laughs> Like, it is – they are very upset with him because yeah. he totally mailed in his last few years and then decided to win, like, four more Cy Youngs. So, right. there's not a well, lot Well, he finally of, got fit, right? Remember? Nudge, nudge, wink, wink. Yeah, fit. He got some help with, Stop some, it. with some of those injections you were talking about earlier. I have earlier. no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> so, so, even with backs, right, we would say with Wandell, I remember always saying, oh, just get him out in space. Or so, just get him out and see. You know, it's funny. It's like, hey, you go run a swing route. We're going to throw you the ball. You're going to be wide open. Yeah. It's like, right? oh, it do- you mean nobody's going to cover him? Oh, yeah, that's it terrific. It doesn't really work like that. But I do like the fact that they talk all the time, all the time about um, finding what guys do well and doing that. Because I remember for years, this is probably six, seven years in a row. Mm-hmm. And he said it to me again in Indy, but I was chopping it up with Jay, and he was like, Foreman, he said, you mean to tell me they can't find 10 plays for player X, 12 plays for player That's X? That's what I've always said. Like, you, know, you can't put a package together of stuff they know how to do. And he was even thinking more defensively. Like, if a guy is just is a good sure. pass, because he's seen it happen, right? Get him on the field in pass rush situations. Terrell Farley or Demario Williams or where you just play to people's skill sets. We saw it with, I only know this because he was a 49er guy, but Alden Smith at Missouri. Yeah. His at, in college, he was only on the field in, like, third down <laughs> obvious pass rush yeah. situations. His first year in the NFL, he was only on the field in third down obvious pass rush situations. You can't tell me that you can't find spots for these guys that are athletically superior to the people playing ahead of them. No, I'm with I you. understand there's a part of you that has to – There's a you have to have a certain amount of people that understand the entire scheme of what you're trying to do. 
But on those guys that aren't there yet, that are really gifted, you can't find spots for them. Yeah, fit figured out. The thing that it reminds me of is, and I think you'll appreciate this because you're an NBA guy, it reminds me of the Spurs, right? Greg Popovich would sign guys that nobody else wanted because he liked what they could do and he didn't focus on what they can't do, mm -hmm. right? Everybody else in the league, when they analyze a player, when they're scouting a player, they think about what they, they're trying to get this whole package of a player, right? They're going, oh, what can this guy do? What can this guy do? Oh, but he can't do X, Y, Z. Greg Popovich doesn't care about the X, Y, and Z. He goes, I need you to do ABC. You can do ABC. You're going to be really good for us. That's all I'm going to ask you to do. And then they look great. That's why Danny Green almost wins the finals MVP because he only was ever asked to do ABC, and he was really, really good at ABC. Mm -hmm. Everybody else cared that he couldn't create his own shot. He couldn't dribble, and he couldn't do this, and he couldn't do that. Well, guess what? He can shoot, and he can defend at an elite level at the wing spot. Just have him do that. <laughs> Novel. Right? Yeah. Like, just have him do the thing that he's really good at. And that's why, uh-oh. Hey, Shane, is, is Brandon at 743? Uh, we've got, um, no, we've got Dean Hart at, 740, at 745. Shane, should we try to sneak Daniel in or no? No, I'll, I'll let him know to call back. Okay, are you sure? Yeah. I think we've got a spot at. Tell him to hit snooze. 830. Okay, so listen. Oh, he gets a long segment, too. A little bit longer. Hey, yeah. so, so back to that, that, that train of thought. So, you know, basically I said people are always trying to figure out what Nebraska's offense is, right? It's obviously going to be run heavy, run action. I think they will get out on the perimeter and run a ton of option. Mm -hmm. um, and they'll have packages for that, right? Like if you like Harburg or you like Purdy or you think they're athletic – Let's that was one of my big takeaways from watching South Carolina tape the last, like, Yeah, I was, go I was vibing with your text, right? Mm -hmm. Like, watching them and the, the QB run game. With Joyner getting in there yeah. for Rattler. There's going to there's gonna be a package for either Harburg or, I don't know if they've got, like, a wide receiver or somebody they like in, like, a Wildcat thing. But Joyner played quarterback at South Carolina the year before, so I think it's going to be Harburg or Purdy because they want the threat, the threat of the throw, even if they don't use it a ton. So it's interesting because I remember being – we were at a couple practices and I was with – um, Dom, mm -hmm. uh, Dylan's dad, mm -hmm. Rayola, not Donnie. And he was specifically talking about times they took the quarterback off the field for QB run stuff. Yeah. And I didn't know if, like, he didn't like it or, or what. But, he, he, you know, I just knew, like, okay, he's obviously studying mm -hmm. Sats, Sats' pattern. But I think you're absolutely right. Like, they did if, a if ton you think, at South Carolina. If, if you think Harburg's a top 10 athlete, you'll figure out how They'll to get him on the field. Get him on the I don't field. care if he plays quarterback or what. They'll get him on the field. Or, you know, whatever the, the skill set is. Like, Ramir Johnson is, is another guy that they're I think gonna is. They're going to get him on the field. Yeah. They'll they're gonna figure find out a way to get him on the field. Things that he does really well. Janarian Bonner, Borkature. They'll find. I want to come back to Bonner. Okay, because there's a there's a corollary at we're South. We're kind of sleeping. On yeah, him, there's a right? corollary at South Carolina that they yeah. used a ton. Tom Deanhart coming up next on Coffee and Cream. Coffee and Cream with Rogers and Benning on Hale Varsity Radio. Oh, I mean, it's this offense. You know, it could be a lot at first. You know, especially um, when you're coming in the summer and you're kind of getting. Uh, um, a little overwhelmed just from, you know, being a college athlete and being, being a student and an athlete. Um, but the guys, they're, they're taking it head on. You know, we're, we're still pumping in volume and, and volume and, and, you know, they're, they're attacking it. That's one thing about those guys is their work ethic on and off the field is very, very impressive. Welcome back to Coffee and Cream here on a Tuesday. Ravi Lula, 
Damon Benning is here. He's not putting his headset on, so I think he's just chilling. Uh, maybe I'll host the show with Shane the rest of the way. Um, I don't know if Damon's going to join me, but who I know is joining us is our <laughs> My main man. At Pratt Dental. Uh, Pratt Dental does the BioClear method. It is an alternative to a crown. You can do multiple restorations in the same day. Takes less time, less waiting, and it's less invasive. Dr. Pratt, located in North Platte, is the only dentist in Nebraska that provides this service. He is certified for it. Nobody else in Nebraska is certified on the BioClear method. You can get a modern smile design, correct many aesthetic dilemmas in a permanent and less evasive manner than traditional treatments such as crowns, Dr. Pratt Dental, Pratt Dental creating healthy smiles. It's pretty good. Yeah, I mean, it's... uh, Feeling stress-free, having gotten that one out of the way. You know, I feel good. I feel good, you know, talking about our friends. Are you nervous about the dentist? I'm not I'm not a guy that loves the dentist, but it's not something that I dread necessarily. It's not a huge pain point for me. I enjoy the feeling of have, the feeling the grooves in my teeth when I get them clean, but I don't know about like the actual experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I could do without it, but it's not one of those you know, I I feel like I get anxiety about everything. It's not something that causes me like an undue amount of stress. Let's hope the fans in West Lafayette don't feel gnash or grind their teeth <laughs> or pull their teeth out. Over the NG situation with the Boilermakers. Tom Deanhart here with us, uh, joining us here today from goldenblack.com. Tom, how are you? Good to hear your voice, Damon. Hope you're doing good, buddy. I'm good. Hey, so I, I feel terrible. I walked right past you in Indianapolis, um, and without speaking, I usually always try to catch you early, but, man, you got to love the, the presence and the impact of your new hire. Like, his, his aura – is one that exudes confidence. I thought if you could win a presser, he did in Indianapolis. Yeah, you're right. He, uh, he checked the confidence box, uh, if you will, and uh, why not? You know, you got to believe in yourself. And his resume is just pretty glowing for our guys only 37 years old. You know, of course, we know his most recent work at Illinois, especially last year, was outstanding coordinating that defense, work under – Gary Pinkle and Eli Drinkwitz at Mizzou, uh, out at Arizona with Mike Stoops, Colorado with Dan Hawkins where he played. So, yeah, it's a nice, nice resume or a kind of an on, on the on the on the come coach, if you will, and uh, but an improving coach too. Just remember that. So there's just a lot of unknowns as Purdue gets ready for its opener September second against Fresno State. Tom, I'm a little curious. You know, with the Ryan Walters hire, obviously a lot of teams in. Uh, the Big Ten, we're switching over coaches this year. And Purdue kind of swims in a different end of the pool in terms of what candidates they were looking at. How does that go over with kind of the fan base? Is, is a hire like Ryan Walters seen as a home run for kind of what you guys were looking at? I think it was a surprise to a lot of people, to be honest with you. Um <clears throat> You know, you guys are obviously big football people, and the trend always typically is to hire an offensive guy up. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, but pretty zig when everybody thought it was going to zag, right? Um, not only didn't hire an offensive guy, hired an offensive guy who's never been a head coach. So 
you know, and, and, and if you're a school like Purdue, I think you sometimes maybe you have to try to think outside the box and do something different, right? Uh, you got to look for something that sets you apart. And, and uh, going with the defensive coach, uh, Purdue hopes that will improve that side of the ball. And I think as much as anything, too, though, guys, I think they hope it improves recruiting as well. This is a young staff, not just Walters, but the entire staff is pretty young. I think there's only two assistants who are 50 years old. And we've seen some early returns with the class of 2024. They're off to a nice start here, so they're trying to upgrade the talent here. And I think Ryan feels like he's got the offense in good hands with, with, with Graham Harrell calling the plays. That's sort of his side of the ball. And Ryan knows this is a quarterback-centric school. And Graham Harrell and this air raid-based offense is going to play to that heritage and I think help them uh, reap some dividends when it comes to recruiting quarterbacks, too. Uh, a s- sneaky tough opener, uh, in my opinion, with, with Fresno State on the second. How's the health situation with camp? I know sometimes Nebraska fans think they're the only ones that are that – we're <laughs> the only ones that are snake-bitten, but Purdue's had some struggles of their own. Yeah, everybody does. Everybody, every fan base thinks the sky's falling, right, when these injuries happen in camp. And bumps and bruises. They did lose a wide receiver, uh, transferred from Florida Atlantic to a season-ending knee injury, which hurt. Um, but by and large, again, the only guys that have been out are dealing with, with kind of day-to-day stuff. Um, they're still hoping to get Gus Hartwig, their, their, I guess their number one star center back. Yeah. He had a knee injury late last year, and he's, he's probably not going to be ready for the start of the year bringing him along slowly. So you're watching Gus Hartwig and the two other guys that got hurt last year missed the entire season, one of the defensive linemen, Demarjee Lewis, and uh, and then, of course, their star tight end, Garrett Miller. Um, both should be ready for the season, but Purdue's really taking it easy with them in camp. By and large, I think if you're a Purdue coach, you have to be pretty pleased with where your health is as you head to the home stretch of camp. Uh, bittersweet may be a term. It's more bitter for Nebraska fans. Sweet for the folks in West Lafayette. I kind of feel like Purdue, Nebraska, that game was Maccabee's coming out party, right? He started to kind of get it going heading into that one. He gets a few more carries against Nebraska, really kind of helped shoulder the run game load in that one. And, man, he looks sleek and trim. And how about the emergence of Maccabee? Did you see that coming? <laughs> Nobody did. <laughs> a, true, a true Cinderella story, just like Aiden O'Connell was a true Cinderella story. Um. That was actually his first start of his career was in the Nebraska game. And, but he had been coming on before then, obviously. Almost became Purdue's first 1,000-yard rusher since 2008. If you can believe it's been that long, 2008. Mm. But, yeah, just, you know, if you stand next to Devin Mockley, there's physically nothing remarkable about him at all. You wonder how he holds up. He's kind of an opposing <laughs> guy. Uh, doesn't have muscles on top of muscles. Doesn't have an 18-inch neck or anything. But he's got a way to get through that line and twist and contort. He's relentless, too. He can catch the ball, so he may not have to carry a super huge load this year. Um, they got two other backs, but that, that's actually one of their better rooms, I think, <clears throat> is the running back room. Tyrone Tracy, the former Iowa receiver who transferred to Purdue last year, is now a full-time running back. They like him a lot. And then Dylan Downs is another veteran. So they have a nice three-headed monster back there, running back. If all three of those guys can, can run and, of course, catch it, too. Tom, I'm curious. We're talking of Tom Dehart, Dean Hart. He covers Purdue for on three. I'm curious with Hudson Card, a couple weeks into fall camp now, how, uh, how are the feelings about the marriage between him and Graham Harrell on that offensive side of the ball? The honeymoon continues to rage. I mean, it right. started when he got here back in January. He went through spring ball, and players, coaches, the praise has been effusive for Hudson Card. He wears number one. 
And he's going to be the straw that stirs the drink. No real shock there, right? Um, he seems like a good young man, sort of a muted personality. Um, you really thought Steve Sarkeesian wanted his guys at Texas. You know, he lost the job a couple times down there to Quinn Ewers. Hmm. And, of course, they bring in uh, Arch Manning, too. But, you know, this is a quarterback Ryan Walters wanted right from the jump. You know, he got the job in December, and he was on a plane to Austin, Texas, almost the very next day or two to try to recruit uh, to recruit uh, Hudson Card and ended up getting his man. So uh, he's going to have to be a star for this offense to click. I think there's a lot of potential. He's got some skill to work with. The tight end room's good. Decent receivers. The line, of course, has to come together, which I know is a big concern, but I think they have enough there to make it work. So, um, yeah, all eyes are going to be on Hudson Card. This is his team, and, and like I said, he, he's got to play like a star if this team wants to try to get back to a bowl game. We'll see what happens at Northwestern at the quarterback spot with who wins that job. But for the West, all sorts of new faces mm-hmm. at the quarterback spot uh, of portal transfers, and most give the nod to Purdue and the intrigue of Nebraska, right? We're not sure about McNamara because he's tagged with Brian Ferentz. Mordecai is in a new system in Wisconsin, not new to him, but with Longo. And we know with Sims and Nebraska, is Card, was he, in your opinion, do you think he's kind of the gem of the portal class? Or are you intrigued as much by Sims' upside as well? Yeah, I think Illinois got a portal guy. Yeah, oh, yeah, they do. They had Altmire, a couple. Yeah, yeah Almar. So, yeah, and I think McNamara had some injury he suffered the other day. I'm not sure how serious it is, but I digress. But you're right, Damon. You know, Ravi, a lot lot of new faces, transfer portal quarterbacks, and maybe Hudson Card is the gem. Um, Just thinking through my head, you know, McNamara played a lot of football in Michigan, so uh, I guess maybe I'd give him a little bit of a nod. But Hudson Card had five starts at Texas, and he has a chance to be as good as any of these portal quarterbacks in the Big Ten West, I think, and you know, for Purdue guys, um, a month or two ago, Las Vegas came out with their over-under projected win totals for every team, and Purdue was at five and a half. And mm. to me, that sounds about spot on. Uh, to me, if this team goes six and six and gets to any bowl, I think it'll be a good year. Um, a lot of turnover, 19 portal transfers. You know, and again, if, if they can keep it together and get to any type of bowl, it's going to be key. And for, for Purdue guys, Illinois and Nebraska. Tom, we appreciate your time as always. I'm sure we'll talk to you again soon. Thanks, TD. Thanks for having me. Take care, buddy. That's our friend Tom Dean Hart covering Purdue football for On3.com. Coming up next, another friend, Brandon Vogel, Pale Varsity, right here on Coffee and Cream. Hello, friend. Coffee and Cream with Rogers and Benning on Hale Varsity Radio. I think just as a just a brotherhood and a camaraderie on offense, I think there's a lot of trust uh, with our offensive line. I think there's a lot of trust that's developing with Jeff. I think Jeff's developing a lot of trust with you know certain players on the team that he can trust to get open at certain times of the game. So I think just the brotherhood and the camaraderie is just, you know, you see it growing every day and the guys are making an attempt. To, to make it grow. It's not, you know, they're not fighting it. They're out there trying to, you know, learn other people's names, learn things about families. Like, you know, Coach Rule in team meetings stuff at night challenges them, you know, learn to, you know, talk to other people. Don't just sit with the same people all the time. So just the brotherhood, I think, is improving.
welcome back to Coffee and Cream here on Hale Varsity Radio, AM 590 ESPN Omaha, powered by Currency. Damon Benning, right there. Ravi Lula, right here. We are joined now by our friend Brandon Vogel of Hale Varsity. Brandon, how you doing today? Not too bad. How are you guys? I'm good, B Vogues, man. I've been missing you. You doing all right? I'm doing all right. Yes. Seems like you've been pretty busy with that. Preseason camp. Yeah, fortunately and fortunately, but uh, I, I came back. I'm, I'm fired up and ready to go, man. Robbie's got my wheels turning after listening to Coach Satterfield. And a couple months ago, he and I got into this simple versus easy thing, right? It, something sounds simple and doesn't always appear that easy. Listen to Coach Satterfield. He's talking about DOS, right? He uttered the phrase, they, you know, they would be – basically doing a disservice if they don't play to folks strengths right like find something they can do and get them on the field why do you feel like that's been so elusive for nebraska to get help from young guys right it started a long Mm -hmm. we like to blame frost for everything i don't it's gone way back but remember it was kind of coach solich that uttered the phrase he's kind of swimming in things Mm -hmm. like both plenty doubled down on that. Like, what, what has been so elusive for Nebraska to get young help early? Yeah, it's a, that's a tough question to answer. I mean, I, and I and I agree with you. Like, you know, Frost gets blamed for a lot of things, and <clears throat> it's an easy one where you can point to kind of like his reputation as an offensive play caller. You know, you could associate some ego with that of being like, well, the offense works like the offense is good. Like it's up to you guys to to figure it out. But, you know, you go past that even just to sort of the Langsford era, which I thought was, you know, a pretty good offense at times. Yeah. Um, But even there, you know, it wasn't the like, hey, we've got this freshman. um, You know, Wondell Robinson is a good example, you know, not the Langsford area, but they got him involved. It was, it was a guy where it was like, we just need to get him X number of touches a game. Now, unfortunately uh, some of those touches came, came in ways that eventually uh, kind of pushed him to, to a different option, but it's, it's strange because it really does go back. I mean, I certainly remember it. I started covering the team during Pelini era. Remember there of like, yeah, you know, there's, there's a lot to, to get used to, you know, it's, I, I think, it probably all comes down to you just got to be a little bit egoless. Mm. Um, if you're going to be with a guy like Doss, that's like, you know what? This guy can do one or two things really, really well. Uh, we're going to have to be smarter with how we use that, but we're going to give him the opportunity to do those things. And you're also going to take, you know, cause you can't just put him out there to run three or four plays. Uh, we're going to take the bumps in the road where teams know that, Oh, he's not really a threat here, but you gotta, you gotta kind of balance that. Brandon, I'm curious because we kind of got talking about how it seems like this staff is more interested in what guys can do than sort of picking the holes in what uh, they can't do in their game. Do you think that's kind of an accurate description of how they're viewing their position groups right now? I think I think so, and I think probably right now wide receiver is maybe the best example of that where you know they're experiencing some, some real limitations and some real – inexperience i mean i think rule has said things effectively to to that um almost almost directly about you know you come in as a new coach and everybody's ready to tell you what these guys can't do 
Um, and, you know, it's, it's easy to be like, I'm the guy that likes to focus on what they can. But if that's what you're really about, I mean, that's a pretty significant philosophical switch. Of, mm-hmm. If you can show up and you've got eight, nine, ten guys, however, however many it is that are like, yeah, he just can't he can't do this. Well, then what do you do with that? Like if you buy into that line of thinking, then you've just got eight, nine, ten. And we're not talking about guys down the depth chart in that case. We're talking about contributors who are just like, yeah, he plays for us, but don't ask him to do X, Y, Z. Um, it's kind of up to you as a coach to figure out well, if that's true. If I determine for myself, that's true. Um, but we don't have better options. I better figure out a way to, to minimize X, Y, Z, whatever those, those kind of negative characteristics, I guess, are. Brian, you said something that, which you often do that leads me to think of something else. You said something about egoless, and I'm, and I'm kind of nodding my head because it does have to be that way. How much of a direct correlation between the way Coach Rule put the staff together and their personalities versus their development in terms of finding roles for guys and figuring it out has to do with the fact that they don't appear to be a staff where individually they have a lot of other aspirations and egos, right? He doesn't appear to be coaching with anybody that wants his job. Yeah, I I think – I think that's important, um, and I think that's another one where Rule has, you know, said at various times that like he wants these guys to progress. Which you know every coach is is going to say that, but it's it's drastically different to, in my mind, and, and I don't mean this as as a negative in any way, but it's drastically different bringing in somebody like Marcus Satterfield, um, who broadly in college football was anybody talking about that South Carolina offense the past two right. years? Yeah. Um, not that not that I saw. Versus, uh, say, Wisconsin, where you bring in a Jeff Levy, a guy who, who is a name for, for his offensive system, his play calling, like where he came up through. And, and of course, both can work. Um, both might end up working. But it's just it's, it's a very different thing. And you kind of look at this staff and say, OK, well, who are the future, future head coaches here? And I don't even know if that's a worthwhile measure. Um, but mm. it's, it's something you have to think about as, as the guy in charge. And for me, I kind of, you get down the list a little bit of, of some of the younger coaches because they just have more, more time and more, maybe a ceiling still to, to figure out where their ceiling is. Um, those are the first ones that come to mind for me. So, uh, bringing in a Satterfield, even Tony white, you know, who was the, the kind of the big hire. I mean, he's a coordinator outside of their their typical family mm-hmm. doing good things at Syracuse but again like you had to get pretty deep into the college football weeds to find somebody to be like let me tell you here's a guy you need to watch for it's, it's Tony White and that's not a negative towards him it's you know largely I think a result of where they where they coached we're talking with Brandon Vogel of Hale Varsity uh Brandon I'm curious what your thought process is when you hear I believe both Satterfield and McGuire yesterday talk about a positionless offense. I think part of that goes to what we're talking about, about just finding ways to get playmakers on the field. But, I mean, from a practical standpoint, what do you start to visualize that that might look like? Um, I think it mostly comes down to, to probably using your backs and receivers in, in creative ways. And, and I would include tight ends with, with the receivers there. Um, you know, I think back to that South Carolina, Tennessee game where South Carolina kind of had it going from the jump and 
was really pretty controlled, especially on their first drive, but they were picking up yards consistently with, you know, some fairly standard passes. Um, but as things like, as, as, as it was clear, like, oh, Tennessee, which, you know, wasn't great defensively a year ago, couldn't really stop them in that game. Then you started to see kind of all of the, it was, we can play any card and, and think we can take the trick here from a, from a play calling perspective. You know, there was a couple of reverses. I think there was a wide receiver pass in there and, you know, and, it's not like those kind of like trick plays become what it is to mean positionless, but I think it really is kind of literally defined of, Hey, we're going to get guys the ball in creative ways. The key to doing that, that can't be your offense. That can be kind of your constraint. So you've got to be able to, to pick up those yards consistently, whether it's on the ground, whether it's through your kind of base passes. And, and that remains the big piece that, you know, we just don't know about Nebraska yet. How are they going to move the ball on when it's, say, second and six? You know, it's just a, a 50-50 down. And what are, what are you going to do? That's interesting. Uh, I think of guys like Bonner, Borkacher, Fedoni. Because one thing I know for sure, if I, if I couldn't tell you exactly what the offense will look like, I do know the premises make cornerbacks tackle and make linebackers cover, right? Like that's generally what they're after in terms of their concept. I can just imagine those guys, just a few of the aforementioned, breaking the huddle and you not being able to personnel them really Mm. as a defense, right? Well, this is 12 personnel or this is 21 personnel. Like they could be anywhere, and I know it's kind of become a running joke, right? Well, you know, Borkatcher could be a quarterback or Borkatcher could be a what. I do think there's something to that, though, if you operate under the assumption that they are after making cornerbacks tackle and making linebackers cover. Yeah, I mean, and that's that's an interesting concept, you know, just with where football has gone. I'm guessing linebackers have probably gotten better at coverage. They're just asked to do it more. Cornerbacks, as, you know, the game kind of eternally moves towards a little bit more pass, they've probably gotten a little bit worse at tackling. Um, so that gets intriguing and when you have when you look at a guy like Fedoni where yeah you know you can line up in the slot you can be your 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 true wide out um you can be in line if you want him to be um and, and certainly with Bonner um you know just based on where he's coming from we'll see how much he's ready for but kind of a true like jackknife of a player mm-hmm. um <clears throat> you can get you can get creative and going in the huddle here is one of those areas where it might like, okay, we can see they're sitting back there in the huddle. We can see what 11 numbers are on the field and kind of get ready for that. But if you break that huddle pretty quickly and, you know, all of a sudden Fedoni's outside the numbers or something, it, it becomes a scramble in a way that I think teams are maybe less used to as everybody's gotten used to kind of up-tempo, no huddle stuff. Yeah, it's just weird. We, you know, as a defense helping put it together at the high school level, you know, we're, we're a spilled defense, so we want most things to bounce. And we try at all costs not to have things spilled to corners. Mm-hmm. But if our corners can tackle, we feel really good about how we can play as a defense. I, I think sometimes we forget that even though linebackers are better in space, they're still not as good as your secondary guys in coverage for the most part. And cornerbacks still don't tackle as much as interior guys. I Sometimes I just think we make it too complicated. Yeah, it's. Uh, I mean, and it, I think a lot of the times in college football, that's becoming the question. Is you know, it's always been like if you got two really good corners, you're, you're going to be able to to do some things. But the tackling piece of the equation, 
really comes to the forefront um, in an era of football like we're in right now. And it's funny, too, because I said the two, the number one and two traits that Coach White asks of his secondary is you have to be tough and you have to be able to tackle. Hmm. Right? Like, so I'm, he, I'm operating under the, the assumption that he knows that that's what people will try to do as well. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's an area where, you know, Nebraska having the numbers it does back there and the freedom of a first year coaching staff to just be like, yeah, we know who's played a lot, but really this is, this is kind of an equal footing scenario. Uh, you got a lot of options and I expect to see a lot of options back there. Brandon, I'm curious. We talk a lot about the offensive side of the ball with Satterfield and obviously that's who we heard from yesterday. It seems like we've spent less time. I don't know if it's just us or if it's kind of a general thing, but it seems like we've spent less time trying to figure out what the defense is going to look like. Is that just because we don't have as good of a frame of reference for the three three five as as maybe we do on the offensive side, or is it just we like offense more than defense? Um, I, think it, I think it's a little bit of both of those things. Um, I also think there maybe is a, a, a dash of, well, you can look at the defense, particularly the back six or the, the back um, – <clears throat> eight i guess in this case um and be like yeah there's some there's, there's some guys i feel pretty good about you know when you start talking about uh gifford and hartzog and newsom um and then the linebackers with with reimer and henrich at least as two guys who have played a ton of football so i think there's a little bit of that in there too and also you know the the billing for this 335 for the people who like dug into it and gone out there and kind of did the off-season researches you know Expect like expect a lot of blitzes. Expect it to be pretty aggressive, which are things that people like, um, and, and kind of come from from all angles. You know, that's that tend to be the the selling point, I think, for for this type of approach. But at the end of the day, you know, I think offense will always kind of lead the way in terms of intrigue, uh, just because you got to be able to score points somewhere or another. You know, unless you're going to be like uber uber shut down defense you're going to give up 12 13 points a game like eventually you're just going to have to you're going to you're going to be able you need to score um and most of the questions i think the big questions reside for nebraska on that side of the ball yeah it's i I it's strange because i think i was just looking at um social media and my man thomas said you know it's interesting that iowa was 130 out of 131 and still won eight games i think part of the fascination that we're talking about is, as I think as a fan base and in general in the media, we feel more comfortable talking about offense because it's more recognizable when it's going well mm-hmm. than it is defense, right? We don't – 98% of the people watching don't know, like, responsibilities and who's supposed to have what we think we do. But I think defense, for the most part, is harder for us to figure out to the naked eye than it is to look at offense. Yeah, that's interesting. I think you're I think you're right. Like if you're a top 30 defense, if you're towards the the bottom of those 30, you know, you're probably giving up 22 points a game, something like mm-hmm. that. And it's like, yeah, defense is, is hanging in there. Um, gave up some yards, but got some key stops. Like that's that's good defense, um, it, it, especially especially today. Offensively, like you could probably be a top 50 offense and get more credit for that. Um, just because of the yard totals, point totals, um, whatever it might be. And, you know, like whatever's fair to expect for Nebraska is fair to expect. Uh, Everybody can kind of determine that on their own. But, like, 
if things go really well, like if you told me Nebraska would be a top 30 defense, top 50 offense, it'd be like, game on. Like that's, that's a great first year in my mind. So it'd be interesting to see like which of those was viewed as better if we got to that at the end of that season, which if, if that were to happen, probably is about eight and four-ish somewhere. In there. It's funny. I was messing with Rob yesterday. People are kind of sleeping on Clemson and I think they're going to be coming from off the grid a little bit, especially as I look at the AP rankings yesterday. And they have 400, over 400 yards a game last year in total offense. That number seems high for how we remember that Clemson offense. Is that a good number, do you think? Is there, are you more about points per game for this offense this year or the, or the yardage output as the staff tries to grow and develop the personnel within this offense? Yeah, I think um, – I mean, I always – I have a bias towards towards points. Um, usually when I look at stats, like I I like those that have some some version of scoring in there because ultimately, like, that's the, that's the ultimate goal, right? Um, <clears throat> I think with this offense, with as many questions as I have now, you know, basically two weeks and a couple of days from, from the opener, I think there's going to be defined by that. It's going to come down to – um, are you able to to maximize opportunities when you get on the opponent's half? Like all of like nitty gritty stuff that's not very fun, that's easy to miss. Um, is is what they're going to need to do to to have a successful season on that on that side of the ball? So, you know, somebody like Clemson and obviously a lot of talent there brings in one of the best OC hires of, of the off season. I think certainly a guy who is. His, his star is, is certainly rising uh, in Garrett Riley. Uh, pretty intriguing because, yeah, it's, there's, there's the narrative out here that Clemson is, uh, these are kind of the last days of, of its, its great era. And I'm like, eh. <laughs> they still got a lot of the same quality of players they've always had. They're high on the new court, or, you know, on their quarterback who we saw a little bit last year. And, oh, by the way, they brought in Garrett Riley who helped TCU get to the uh, national championship game. So maybe let's, let's take a wait-and-see approach with the Tigers. Brandon Vogel, Hale Varsity, great stuff as always. We appreciate your time and uh, all the time that you always give us. Appreciate you, B. Yeah, no problem. Thanks, guys. Have a good one. That's our friend, Brandon Vogel, Hale Varsity. Um, you know, I, I, I take – I mean, Illinois was like two, 210 passing last year, 166 on the ground. You take that? Would you take Illinois last year? Yeah, I think I would. So my, my point in saying that is – I'll take it. Sometimes the statistical number, like the actual hardcore data, doesn't matter as much as either sure. efficiency or playing complimentary football. Yeah, so I uh, – you, you know what I mean? Yeah. I, I mean, Iowa's a bad example because we would lose our minds if, if it our looked offense, like that. Yeah, if our offense was, was that inept. So but that's what I was actually just going to say is I watched a decent amount of Illinois last year. I watched, a, obviously, a ton of Iowa last year. And on paper – I'm sure that there's some difference because just how bad Iowa was, but the gap's probably not as big as my perception I, of I, their offenses. At, at first blush, I would probably I'm inclined to probably agree because I remember watching Illinois' offense. Like, okay, it's not dynamic, but it didn't seem incompetent. Well, remember some of the criticisms of Brown at the running back spot was mm-hmm. he wasn't a game breaker. He was Chase Brown was 
you know, if you needed five, he was going to get you five. If you, you needed, needed three, he was going to get you. If you needed ten, he, he was, was going to get, get you five. five. Yeah. You needed right. three, he'd get you five. You need <laughs> so, five, he'd get you five. You need ten, he's getting you five. <laughs> you know, and I and I remember we were kind of capping that game, and I, it, it's like, gosh, just don't let him get to the high 20s in carries because – that's that, the only way he's going to get to That was a big all of a sudden mean that you gave up 150 yards to a back on the ground and they were possessing the ball. So I think the whole complimentary thing it's a big deal. is a huge huge deal. If Nebraska could look like Illinois did last year, I think we would all be thrilled. Yes, I think I'm kind of if like you're listening to me over the last 3 months, I'm talking myself into I wouldn't mind being Illinois. Right, at least at least in the near term. Right, right. I, I yeah. want to. I want the good, strong, really strong defense, defensive lines, really strong complementary football, and I like their gap. I I like their it's it's gap scheme is what they do. I mm-hmm. like I like their running design because it allows your offensive line to be powerful and kind of come off the ball. That's the number one thing I want to see about this offense. Mm-hmm. It's not Sims. It's not the wide receiving core. It's Will I run the ball in such a way that allows my offensive line to have some success? Mm. And I just mean getting downhill, getting after guys. Because there's something to be said for just running the ball downhill, Mm -hmm. especially if you're not a heavily penalized team. You can win a ton with second and six and a long sixes, even sevens to some degree because you get to second and six, six at second and seven, you get to third, third and threes third and third and twos. Yeah, like that, those things are those are manageable, are very, very manageable. We don't get ha- in trouble is second and 15 or second and eights and nines and then third and six or seven or 10. Right. So like if, if they can, how they want to run the ball and what mm-hmm. they do with like, just th- this is a little footbally, but not so much. Like, if you could just sprinkle in, like, trap mm-hmm. or veer, just though one of those concepts or two of them, it keeps your linemen at, theoretically at bay, right? If I'm, if I'm getting ready for game planning, I'm like, okay, what, what's their inside run game look like? Mm-hmm. How do they like to run the ball? Is it gap? Is it dart? Is it this? Because if they don't do certain things, I know that I can play a certain way defensively. Mm. So just the, the ability to run – between guard, center guard, yeah, changes the way you can play defense sometimes. Interesting. We'll get into that more. Cody, hang on the line here. We'll get into your call as well. We've got more of Coffee and Cream coming up next. Coffee and Cream with Rodgers and Benning on Hale Varsity Radio. I don't treat this as work. Um, I see Dr. Elzer back there. Uh, every day, every day I show up to work. I, I don't view it as work. I get to work with Marcus Satterfield, Coach Rule, um, Coach Donnie, uh, Coach Martin. I see Dr. Elza, you know, who I've known since I was a uh, very, very little kid. Um, and so I don't view it as work. You know, it, it's the most fun I've ever had in my life, um, especially just being around the people here. Um, it's just such a special staff to me. Don't, don't, don't undersell that. Well, I, I've got a point on that, too. Welcome back to Coffee and Cream. That's Damon Benning. I'm Ravi Lula. Uh, Want to remind you, Omaha Storm Chasers back in town on August 22nd against St. Paul. They're there from the 22nd to the end of the month. Make sure 
you get out there. Get some baseball in before you start getting your football fix in. Get over to Werner Park and see your Omaha Storm Chasers again back in town starting August 22nd. Uh, so we talk a ton as an internal because we do so much um, culture, 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 right? Mm -hmm. And I don't want to do a disservice to it because it's really kind of the backbone it's real. It's, of, of what yes. we are. And I'm, I'm coming back from, from practice. I'm not going to embarrass him. Um, but one of our coaches, mm -hmm. um, he said, so – a couple of days ago, I had my – so you have co-positions, right? Mm -hmm. And even though I help uh, as a co-coordinator, I'm a defensive guy. You have a secondary position. Sure. So anyway, um, our one of our offensive coaches was like, hey, you know, can you take our older guys? We want to work pass pro, blitz pickup, this, that, and the other. I was like, okay, cool. So yesterday we flipped it around. He had the older guys. They're working on their thing. I had the younger guys, and we were working on pass pro. Mm-hmm. And he says, uh, uh, he said, hey, how did the young guys look in pass pro today? Because they're doing their thing, mm -hmm. right? So he wasn't down there. And I said, a ton better. I said, I was actually pleased. Mm -hmm. He says, I appreciate your help. That's good looking out. And I said, no problem. I said, just tell me what to do and I'll do it. He said, I love it. I really think we have a special staff. Last, in the off season, we talked about it. And I said this with one of the coaches at one of our rival schools. Mm-hmm. Because we get along, all the, you know, we talk, we, we, we DM back and forth, we talk schemes, and, and we've, had, we've had some, you know, we're one and one against them in the last two finals, right? Sure. So, okay, and so we're just talking back and forth, and he loves his job. Mm -hmm. And I said, isn't it interesting? This was like four months ago. Mm -hmm. And I said, isn't it interesting when you have staffs that get along and enjoy working together? Mm -hmm. How it how it manifests. It doesn't always mean you're going to be good, but the kids pick up on that. And and that coincidentally is one of the things that I think makes that staff really really good. Mm -hmm. Right? It's just yeah, those guys know what they're doing. But you watch them on the sidelines. You watch them in a like they genuinely get along as a staff and they like one another. And I think it's been a long time. We don't have. A, co a, a defensive coordinator arguing with another coach or, mm -hmm. or fight or we've heard how many stories have we heard about Nebraska's staff and I'm not saying they're not without strife right because sure. there is no there is no gain without a little struggle yeah but just genuinely getting along with one another mm -hmm. where you don't have these blow-ups on the field now you, you know coach rule may get in your butt but it's not assistant coach on assistant coach crime there's not you know closed door three these three guys meet they talk about this like there is none of that and i'm just telling you there's something to be said for that as you're trying to continue to develop your culture don't undersell what coach mcguire said because he's not alone in that sentiment remember coach satterfield said his very first day recruiting on the road he'd been on the job four days mm -hmm. he said he knew after they had their big win against clemson and he saw coach rule calling Mm -hmm. he said all he could think of was how fast he needed to get to where he was going to ask him to be. Yeah. I mean, that's a 
(laughs) Like, like, don't don't undersell that. Well, and and kind of to your point about strife, like there's going to be disagreements, right? Whether it happens publicly on the sideline or whether it happens behind closed doors, I don't know. We don't know how it's going to play out yet. But there will be disagreements. People will get after each other a little bit. But that's not – when, when you say staffs get along or people get along, it's not that they avoid conflict. Yeah. It's that they can get through conflict because they have trust in each other, that they're both trying to achieve the same thing, yeah. right? Like that's the big difference between people that work together that trust each other and people that work together that don't. They're both going to have yeah. conflicts, but when you trust each other and you genuinely get along, you'll get through the conflict much quicker and with much more progress because you're both trying to get to the same place. Yeah. When you don't genuinely get along with the people you work with, you can never trust that you both have the same interest at heart. What 100%. And that becomes a huge issue and, especially and you, and on you a football receive team. praise and criticism totally differently knowing when you know somebody's riding with you. Uh, speaking of guys that are riding with us, let's get to the phone lines. We've got Cody wants to talk about high school football. What's up, Cody? Commander Cody, what's up, buddy? What's going on, gentlemen? How are you? It's game week. Oh, yes, indeed. Some football this week. Yes, indeed. Yeah. <laughs> hey, how would you like to be uh, heading out west this week to North Platte when the forecast is 102 degrees? Yeah, so that's Friday coming night. this way, isn't it? Because I saw yeah. next week we're looking at 90s. We totally changed the way we practice and conditioning trying to get ready for next week. Yeah, I mean, even late this week and Saturday, it's high 90. Yeah, because they got they got the Titans, right? Papula Vista South. Yeah. Oh. Yep, they're heading out west, and I think what Prep Bell West this Friday. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That one yeah, may get that that one may get out of hand. Yeah. yeah. It'll be. I just I don't know what all Preps got coming. I mean, they're they young. They're they're young. I know a couple of their freshmen, and and uh, they're they're young, right? They they lost a lot of yeah. good players up front, and you know Bellevue West is pre-oiled uh, and polished. Yeah. Um, some questions. Seen uh, Neb Preps had their rankings come out. Um, were you a little bit shocked on where Miller North is at? Yeah, I. Or is it about I, right where you? Thought? I, I I talked about it. It's funny. On my way out to coach Mikey yesterday, uh, I talked to Sauter. I I was a little I was a little surprised about the rankings. No 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 question. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, it it wasn't just a Millard North thing. Like, if it were – and I could say, I mean, I'm not afraid. Like, it's what it is. Uh, I would have went – and I think he's right there with me. I would have gone Westside, Bellevue West, Elkhorn South, Gretna, North, Millard North, or North – Millard North – or, excuse me, um, West, West – hang, 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 hang on. I, yeah, I, I made a mistake. I went Westside, <laughs> Bellevue West, Elkhorn South – Millard South, uh, Gretna, North, flip-flop North, Millard North, and then I probably would have made Carney 7. Yeah, that's right in line of where I was thinking, flip-flop Millard South, Elkhorn South. You and like Millard South uh, a little more than Elkhorn South? They're gonna, those yeah. two teams are so, going to be so good up front. Mm-hmm. And they play, they play what, week one, week two? I think it's two, right? I believe so. Yeah. I think that's right. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, then uh, I thought the I, the difference I mean, for me between those two. Be on. Go ahead, Cody. Oh, I was saying I had Carney up there too. Yeah, I, I, so the difference between 
the difference for me between Elkhorn South and Miller South is quarterback play. Yeah. I gave the nod to yeah. Ronner over whomever starts. Because we don't go with Kozel, at, Ron, at, you don't. Yeah, at, at, at Miller South, because I think that's still a relatively good two-way battle with going young and experienced versus experienced. So I gave, I gave the nod to Ronner there for, with Elkhorn South. Yeah. That's a, I was thinking right in the same line. I think Carney is going to you know be Carney. Coach Cool's got a good thing out there. Yeah. I thought Grand Island is Grand Island. And then the other one I thought would probably be around 10 was Millard West. Yeah, I'll be curious. I mean, they, they got a lot of, a lot they, of they received votes. Too. They yeah. received votes. They were, the they were just – they were just yeah, that Q Street battle is going to be fantastic. Q Pacific Street should, should be a fantastic battle. Cody? Yeah, I'm excited for it. We appreciate you. Uh, we will be getting into more high school football as the week goes on and as the weeks go on for sure. Uh, let's get to our guy, amazing Daniel. I know you wanted more time than this, Daniel, but we got a, a little less than a minute for you. What do you got? Um, well, I don't think I can get it in a minute, but um, you know, I've never called the show before. Uh, one big reason I got kind of a foul mouth, so I'll do my best for <laughs> Let's keep it clean, buddy. Let's go. Uh, uh, look, I got a little emotional with this going to this parade this weekend. Um, you know, if you're familiar with me, you might think that sometimes I try to make things a little bit about what they're not about just to make a point that's probably fair but i hope the positivity comes through here yeah. um and i know everybody's just waiting for a 50 year old white dude from the suburbs to weigh in but, <laughs> but we uh we all know how segregated the city is and has been and for terrence crawford's accomplishments and contributions to be so great that they essentially required the city and state leaders to come out and honor north omaha uh, which is what this was really about and that's what bud made it about um, to kind of officially recognize the importance and impact of Omaha's black community in general, uh, you know, a community that's been very maligned through so much over time. It was just pure joy out there. And, you know, to be part of it, I just felt fortunate to be part of it. Um, I'm not pretending, this isn't about like we had a fun parade, so now there's harmony in the world. It's not that. It's, it's just I never thought I'd see something like this in this city. And to be, it's my favorite event I've ever been to here. Um, like I said, I was so fortunate to be there, and Bud was the impetus, obviously, but the community that he came up in and stays involved with is what gave us this. So I think I just kind of want to thank North Omaha for giving us this and for lifting Bud up and embracing the rest of the city that has not always embraced them, to put it mildly. So uh, wow. that's just kind of the, the short version of what I wanted to say. I wait with a little trepidation on your, uh, your views on all oh. And all that, so. Man, D, I may have to call you back on that one. That yeah, is that's fantastic. That is fantastic. And uh, thank you. You got you got it. We uh, yeah, we'll let we'll you give know. Give you some runway. We've nine, got a little more time. Nine thirty. Yeah, nine thirty. Uh, we've got more coffee and cream coming up next. Man. Coffee and cream with Rogers and Benning on Hale Varsity Radio. Welcome back to Coffee and Cream here on Hale Varsity Radio, AM 590 ESPN Omaha. We are joined now by our friend Scott Docterman of The Athletic. Scott, how are you today? Doc, Doc, what's I'm up? I'm doing great, guys. How you doing? Good, good, good. We're doing good, getting a little bit closer to football season, you know, reading way too much into everything that happens <laughs> at fall camp. Uh, what are, I'm sure... This is not strictly a Nebraska practice. What are some of the things that uh, over in Iowa they are reading way too much into through a couple weeks of fall practice? (laughs) 
I guess, first of all, since we had our one glimpse, our one and only glimpse into fall camp on Saturday, and Caden McNamara left the field with a, mm-hmm. uh, a, a tweak, uh, probably more like a, a quad tweak. And, uh, well, but he left the field for an hour, so the speculation began, and, and there was a lot of dooms, doomsdayers on, the, on Twitter, or X, or whatever you call it these days, uh, <laughs> thinking the season's already over, and, you know, Brian needs to be fired for this, for letting him compete in a scrimmage, it was a non-contact fall down. So that would probably be number one, two, and three, and then, it's, you know, then, of course, it's uh, why isn't Caleb Brown starting already since he transferred from... Ohio State, even though he'll be in the rotation. So that's probably one and two, I would say. So, Doc, this is interesting. I left Indy, and uh, I, I called back into our show just to kind of give a rundown. And I think the first time, I felt like there were a couple of guys that had exceptionally good pressers that day. I felt Bielema was really good. And I thought Coach Ferentz, you know, he joked a little. He was relaxed. He gave a little individual praise. It was almost like – and I think I said on social media, it's like he knows something we don't know. Don't You get the sense. We know they're going to be good defensively. Mm-hmm. He, he appears to really like this team, at least from what I can glean from his personality. Yeah, he does. He, he likes it. He likes where it's positioned. And they made a lot of really good moves, and they were all under the radar because people look at it and say, oh, it's just Iowa. They're going to be terrible on offense. But, you know, it wasn't that long ago that they averaged 32 points a game either. And, and when you look at the team and what he likes about it, number one is the offensive line, which is his key spot. And, and really the guys who were sort of the glue last year, they were all sophomores. They all had their ups and downs and fought through it. They all got a lot better in the offseason. And then you throw on a couple of transfers who have a chance to start up front. You got a really solid tight end group uh, with Eric all joining, replacing Sam Laporta which is uh, about as close of a, <laughs> an equal trade as you can get. And then Caden um, McNamara has kind of changed the dynamic of this offense because, you know, I'm not saying that he's going to be an NFL quarterback or anything like that, but, you know, it, two years ago he completed 64% of his passes, and last time Iowa had a quarterback who, who hit that number was Rick Stanzi back in 2010. So if he can hit somewhere near that and with a – kind of rebuilt wide receiver core you know he he thinks that this team could be you know not only competing for the west title but could go toe-to-toe with maybe the east champion you know so i I think he does secretly think this team's got a really good chance to do some good things and uh and based on what i saw on saturday i I don't think he's totally wrong even though the defense kind of dominated which is par for the course but I also saw some decent things, you know, which is the offensive line actually blocking the defensive line, which didn't happen last year. Mm. Scott, I'm curious about with Cade McNamara, because you, you kind of give us a little historical context with Stanzi there on the completion percentage. I guess what does Cade McNamara need to be for this to be a, let's say, 9 or 10 win Iowa team instead of a 6 to 8 win Iowa team? Yeah, I think it really just comes down to to, to basically just completing passes that are the easy ones. Um, that's been the struggle for Iowa in recent years. Um, you know, Spencer Petrus, I think, will be an outstanding coach. He's as smart of a young man around the game as anybody there, but just not not accurate enough. Mm-hmm. Uh, missed a lot of the makeables, uh, overthrew receivers on out routes, and things that Cade McNamara does really well. 
Um, and I think that's really all they need to do, extend drives. Third and four, four hit the, hit the six-yard, um, you know, shallow cross or just small details that I think this team really needs. And if the offensive line has made the strides that Kirk Ferentz thinks it has, which I think I would put it at, at a decent category, I'm not good. I'm not going to go far as good yet. I'm going to wait and see on that one. But if they could be at least decent and the quarterback can make the makeables, and I think he can, then, yeah, that's probably going to be the separator because, you know, they've got a pretty decent schedule. They won eight games last year with the worst offense in the last 25 years at least in the Big Ten. So I think they've got the capabilities to to kind of vault up that list and and win some of the games that they lost that were fairly close last year. Ominous foreshadowing, scary, I don't know. It just depends on (laughs) kind of what (laughs) happens when Nebraska meets Iowa. But I remember you telling me in the press box last year, if Iowa could just weather this offensive line storm, uh, I'm I'm summarizing, right, but they have a chance – in the next couple of years to be pretty good again up front. Do you, do you still share that sentiment? Cause that could be a little scary if you're right. I think they could be real. They could be pretty good. I mean, I look at, you know, I don't know that I see a Tristan Wirfs necessarily. And, and he was blessed with God given ability that nobody's ever really had. But I look at Mason Richmond, who's entering third year at left tackle. He started as a freshman. He's going against Aiden Hutchinson and guys like that. Last year he got better. This year he looks like he's playing. He's the part. Now I don't think he's an NFL left tackle, but I think he's an NFL offensive lineman. Logan Jones from Council Bluffs flipped over last spring to play center, and all he's got in his ear is, "Hey, Tyler Linderbaum really got off the ball fast, and that's really what made him effective." So that's what he was trying to do, and he kept messing up the snap, you know, mm. last year, but. But he also squats 700 pounds, and I'm looking at him now going against some really good players in the interior at Iowa in practice, and, and yeah, he, he gets beat a few times, but he also holds his own a few times, which he couldn't do last year. And, and so I'm seeing growth, and I'm seeing and, – and really there's a parallel because with Iowa, with Kirk Ferentz being there 25 years, you kind of look back at certain years. In 07, it was really comparable to last year. They gave up 46 sacks. They had a quarterback complete 50%. They only went six and six, and uh, the next year that line ended up blocking for Sean Green, who uh, you know was the Doak Walker Award winner, and and they had guys like Brian Bulaga, who is really young, and then he becomes a first round pick and plays in the NFL for ten years, and they had four other draft picks on that offensive line, and I look at this unit and I think they've got a chance to be like that, so that that's really what I'm looking at with this line. I think they. If they can do that, if they can block well, they do have a really good young running back in Caleb Johnson. I think he can be as good as they've had in a long time, in a decade or plus. But And so if they can just make strides up front, complete the makeable passes, I think this offense has a chance to, to get Brian out of the wilderness for his 25 <laughs> points per game mandate. <laughs> Scott, I'm curious, and you brought up Caleb Johnson. If this offensive line does take the steps that you think they either have or will, what's the ceiling for Caleb Johnson, who physically has just about everything you could ask for in a running back? Yeah, I think it's. I think there there aren't many limits to him. And when you look at what he's got, I mean, Iowa's had some pretty nice running backs over his time, uh, guys who you know had a cup of coffee in the NFL, but haven't really had anybody like that since Sean Green in 08. 
and I think he's the closest thing to that. He's a little longer, a little angular, mm-hmm. but incredible speed, size. You know, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't put it on him to say he averages 120 yards plus per game. I mean, last year he set the freshman record at almost 800 yards and averaged 5.2 yards per carry for an offense average 2.9. So he's just got something to him that I think uh, he he can really take that next step. And, and even on Saturday, and, and again, it's a scrimmage, so you take it for what it's worth. But, you know, going against a really good um, defense, you know, he's making plays. He was beating defenders, you know, both in space and then in running the football. So I, 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 there's a lot to like there. And I think if he stays healthy – and this line takes a little bit of a step forward. Yeah, I think he could be a 12 to 1400 yard running back. Crazy question, but I say this all the time with explosive quarterbacks that can run the ball. I always say um, explosive quarterbacks can make your offensive coordinators lazy, right? Because they, you figure mm-hmm. at some point they'll bail you out and maybe attention to detail and game plan can get away from you. How does Coach Woods, Coach Ferentz, how do you guys get away from not knowing you maybe have the best place kicking punting combination? In, in the conference and not falling subject to playing that way psychologically, knowing you have that in the bag? Well, you know, I think you first you look at Tory Taylor and what he's been able to do for three-plus years now, and this will be year four, and he is such a weapon that they do use that a lot. You know, mm. a lot of times there are the plus 50, you know, when, when they're on the, the, the plus 50, that they'll play to that. Because then you look at last year, I think there were he had 14 punts inside the six-yard line, and two directly led to safeties. And he's and and when you've got a defense like Iowa's, that you could just kind of play this game of pong, if you will. And if the team, the opponent can't get past its own 20, that you're constantly working from midfield. And now if you've got an offense that actually can do something with the ball, which did not happen last year, then maybe you could score. And then Drew Drew Stevens. Missed only two field goals all year. I think they've got that is an area where they feel like they have an edge on everybody. Mm. And um, and now that Drew Stevens is there, they've had some really good kickers over the last few years. Keith Duncan and Caleb Shudak being among them, but uh, you know Drew is in that category. So. Scott Docterman from the Athletic. Scott, we appreciate your time as always. I'm sure we'll talk to you soon. Thanks, Doc. All right. Thanks for having me on. Appreciate it. That's our friend Scott Docterman from The Athletic. Coming up next, another friend, a friend-heavy show today. Hello, friend. Mike J. Schaefer from Husker 24-7. We'll also get to your Zipline six-pack of questions, and we might hear a little bit more from Amazing Daniel if he's got time later. More on Coffee and Cream coming up next. Coffee and Cream with Rodgers and Benning on Hale Varsity Radio. Covering Nebraska football and recruiting for 24-7 sports. Here is Mike J. Schaefer. Yeah, that's a grown-ass man right there. Mike Schaefer. I don't know. There could be bacon involved. Mike Schaefer. I appreciate it, guys. Thanks, Ryan Edwards, for me. Here is Mike Schaefer. Um... It's 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 kind of challenging. Um, it's kind of the NFL style offense, you know, a lot of concepts, a lot of formations and terms. But um, one thing that helped me learn it learn it was um, the whole coaching staff when they first got here. They started from you know ground zero, worked our way up throughout the playbook. Um, so being able to go step by step throughout that playbook helps. Um, 
the freshmen who came in the summer, it might be a little harder because, you know, they have to jump straight into it, but they're catching on pretty quick, so, you know, they're doing well with it. Welcome back to Coffee and Cream, presented by Currency, or powered by Currency, excuse me, powered by Currency here at the H&H Chevrolet Studio. Damon Benning, Ravi Lula, and joining us now, our guy Mike Schaefer from Husker 24-7. Schaefer, what's good this morning, buddy? Not uh, not a lot. I don't know if you saw in the studio chat. I'm not sure what was going on with the bed music while I was hanging out, but that thing got up to 11. Yeah. It was and aggressive. So it, was, like it, was, the, it was it was high. It was aggressive. The the 22% hearing I have left that's natural might be down under, you know, 20% at this point. So you can't be taking my, my guy in. might be reaching out. <laughs> Shane, you can't be taking my guy into the <laughs> teens. What are we doing here? What is going oh, on? My bad, Mike. I'm sorry. <laughs> Wow, I love you, man. I'm sorry. Shane, I didn't catch that. Can you repeat that? <laughs> Unbelievable. My bad. I'm sorry. <laughs> Thank you. Wow. Mike, uh, Mike J., who stands to benefit from uh, the fresh – <laughs> Who stands to benefit the most from the fresh set of eyes? Are you ready? Janarian Bonner, John Bullock. Or Blaze Gunnerson, who stands to gain the most from the fresh set of eyes? So, I mean, it, it feels like if I was to put this in some sort of order, <laughs> it would be John Bullock would be first. Uh, because, it, you know, I mean, I, there's a position change in there. He's obviously been noticed by the staff in a way that he hadn't been previously. Um, you know, so that's that's interesting. I think Blaze Gunnerson is among the most interesting guys on defense that really hasn't broken out. Quietly um, one of the best stories going. It's yeah. almost like but, we didn't even give it a second thought that they're like penciling him in with the first unit. The the thing is Blaze has to be healthy. I mean, I don't I don't know that talent was ever that big of a question. He just hasn't had an extended run of health really since going to his sophomore year of high school. But I, I think from a talent perspective, um, everybody can kind of see it. It's just, you got to be on the field to, to show it. And then Janira Bonner's last, not because there isn't a benefit or, uh, you know, having a new set of eyes on him, but it's just that he was in the program, the least amount of time of this group. And obviously there's, there's a little bit of a position change and, We'll see kind of what his actual role is as the season goes. But of those three guys, he was here the least, so I feel like it's least helpful for him. Shafe, I'm, I'm curious, kind of going off of Damon's question there. Don't do that. Yeah, I'm just going to steal from you a little bit because uh, your ideas are better than mine sometimes. Pe pe petty theft, that's um, what they call that, petty theft. <laughs> who benefits the most? And I'm not going to give you options because I'm not as prepared oh, as Okay, Damon. I like that. Um, who benefits the most from a so-called positionless offense the way that mm. Satterfield and McGuire have been talking about? I'm in the offensive coordinator because you can sort of change any answer to fit the question. <laughs> you don't really have to say anything. I'm loving it. I've moved to Tuesdays in the last couple of weeks. I've just been like, man, Marcus Satterfield's really just throwing it out there. <laughs> he's, he's not trying to say coach speak. He's just giving you straight out of the playbook. Coach speak, but no, an actual answer for you. <laughs> um, it's tough because without knowing what this offense is doing and, and setting out to accomplish, 
and not putting all of my eggs in the social media released highlight basket. Um, you know, it's it's tough to say who's going to be able to benefit the most because you can see a, a way where a guy like Thomas Fedoni can help this team, um, you know, both as an inline tight end but also split out a little bit. You can mm-hmm. utilize him in that fashion. Uh, Ramir Johnson, you know, we spent all of last season hearing about how he could be utilized in a variety of ways, and then he was just left on the sidelines the entire time. But if this staff can find ways to use him as a uh, slot, you know, wide receiver at times or uh, putting him in motion and confusing the defense a little bit. Like, I I think there's stuff in there um, without seeing the actual offense go to work yet or what their vision of it is. It feels like I'm just sort of throwing some darts out there. Uh, But they, they definitely have intriguing pieces on offense. It's just a matter of what does this look like when it comes together and what are what are their actual goals as they're they're trying to, to move forward offensively too? I apologize if this is a loaded question because I feel like you and I are in the same exact same camp here with Gabe Irvin where it's like I I got I got I get the buzz but I'm like eh. for you who ends they're all gonna carry it who do you think emerges as the guy like? Oh, that's different than what I thought I was going to see. Let me ask it that way. Who's going to be the most different mm. from what we think we're going to see? I don't know that this is a, a super confident answer, but I guess I sort of hope that it's it's Anthony Grant. Like I, I hope that there is an you. evolution or development in his game over the off season. Um, you know, I've I've heard that. Uh, EJ uh, Barthel is is happier with what he's seen from Grant, uh, you know, through the course of the end of the spring and the summer. I wouldn't be surprised if he's made kind of a move uh, relative to, to how people sort of feel like it's Gabe Irvin's job at the moment. Um, I think he's the most natural runner in some ways uh, of of this group. Or I don't even know if natural is the right word, uh, but I I just think. Anthony Grant has the most upside. Let's put it that way. I think he has the most upside of any of those running backs. And so I guess I would hope, you know, we'll go back to the fresh eyes thing. Maybe there's something EJ Barthol can unlock in Anthony Grant that makes him better than what we saw at his best last year, which was which good. But it, you know, there's certain things that he could he could get better at in terms of patience and finding a hole and getting the shoulders square and all of those different things. Uh, so maybe we see that here in 23, because I do think there's a better running back than the version we saw in 22, how, which was again Nebraska's leading rusher. How much of that? How much of the offensive line looking better is just simply running backs knowing what holes to hit? Like, do you uh, that, do you think it? Do you think it like that? Do you? I mean, yeah, absolutely, they work in ten. I mean, uh, like, okay, so I'm going back two seasons now, but go to 2021. Nebraska's offensive line looked better immediately when Ramir Johnson was the one hitting the holes on the inside zone runs because he hits them harder and he finds them a little bit better than what Gabe Irvin or, uh, you know, um, Marquis Stepp were doing at that time. So I, I think part of the offensive line for me, uh, I don't, you know, the run blocking aspect of it, you'd like to see them get a better push, but also it's just, you want to see better results out of the running back. So it's a, it's a tandem thing. Like, if they're doing their job and the running backs are doing their job, Nebraska's offensive line should look better because of it. 
Now, that sets aside the whole issues they had with pass protection last year. Mm. But if we're just talking strictly running the football, uh, running backs that have a better understanding of where they need to go or showing more patience for the hole to develop can help with the, the offensive line as a whole and make you feel better about the offensive line as a whole. Shafe, I found a better way to ask the question that I wanted you to answer earlier, so we're going to try again. Um, <laughs> if, it, if at first you don't yeah. succeed, I'm st- I'm hit the rest of that 20%. I'm stubborn. Well, we got 20 minutes here, so you I'll say, I'm stubborn, and we have a long segment, so we're going to try again. Uh, what players on offense do you think have the most versatile skill set? Okay. I think that's what I was trying to ask earlier. Uh, it, it goes back to, I think, Ramir Johnson, again, can can do some interesting things. I think you can use him in different ways than what we've seen in his career at times. I mean, I go back to that Michigan game, and I will go back to that Michigan game until forever, I think. <laughs> I mean, that's a, that's a 2021 college football playoff team, and you could make a case at times on offense the best player for Nebraska in that game was Ramir Johnson because they utilized him out of the backfield as a receiver. They got him in interesting matchups. I think they actually hit on a successful screen or a swing pass. I forget which. I mean, they had that outstanding, I think it was a wheel route, because that's the route that everybody knows, mm-hmm. uh, out of the backfield <laughs> early in that game. Um, you know, so there's the way that Ramir Johnson was yeah. used in that Michigan game. Like, I crave that. Like, use, mm. use players in that fashion when they show you that ability, and especially – I mean, he's fast enough, and uh, this is bringing up a bad memory for some, but go back to that Illinois game. If he catches that pass from Casey Thompson, one, you probably don't lose Casey Thompson for several weeks. Two, your chances of beating Illinois go up. Do you guys remember the play that I'm talking about? Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Out of the backfield, it's, oh, yeah. a, it's a pass along the, Sidelines. I believe, the Nebraska yeah. sideline. Because um, I think you know. a play or two later, Nebraska turned it over. Well, yeah, because Casey got- it's crushed and the ball flies in the air and it gets picked off and yeah. that's pretty much the end of the game. But uh, like it's it's not you know we didn't see that a lot last year, but I think that can be part of his skill set and so that's a guy I'd like to see utilized in that way. If you're going to go really young and I don't know how what you're going to get out of some of these players, but you know Jaden Doss when he was being recruited talked about how teams were telling him that they were getting Debo Samuel vibes of how he could run the football, his vision when he had the football in his hands. Don't tease uh, me, Shafe. Was- don't tease me with Debo. <laughs> I know, I know. It's it's kind of one of those comparisons that gets thrown out there, and you're like, I don't know if this is two percent or ninety eight percent accurate, but uh, one of those things. But he, I mean, he is a guy that has experience running the the ball out of the backfield. He played running back at times uh, for for Ray Moore Peculiar. So um, I I look at him as another guy with an interesting skill set. I mentioned Fedoni. I mean, you have Janiron Bonner, who's a wide receiver now at H back. Like there's there's different things that they can do. And I am curious if they get to the point where part of what the offense is is designing mismatches against different linebackers or safeties with some of the speed Nebraska can get on the field. Like, I, I think that's going to be a part of it. But they obviously have to get other things to work before you can get to the more of the gadget stuff. I just think it's just, I just go back to the spring game where they actually gave the ball to Bonner on like a fullback dive. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. First play of the game. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> what is going on? Uh, Mike J, when you're listening to like Coach Rule and this staff, am I undersell or overselling the fact that it just uh, it feels different that they actually enjoy working with one another, with all the guys with the paid positions a lot more than some previous staffs have. 
Is it just me or do they seem more connected? Well, I mean, they're connected by rule, right? Like they, they all sort of have this connection back to rule. I mean, every, you know, Rob Dvorak played for him and Philip Simpson played for him. And those guys have different roles on the staff, but they know Matt rule through that. And so knowing Matt rule through that gives you an instant connection you know, um, whether they crossed over at Temple or not. And then you have Garrett McGuire, who obviously has deep connections into it. And Marcus Satterfield and and all of these guys are just connected. Like, I, I think that's a big part of it. Um, I think that's a big part of the recruiting pitch. And that's more of, of what I can actually speak to is these recruits get in there. And Matt Rule talks about family. Mm-hmm. And he talks about how, you know, when he puts a staff together, is not out there looking for the the guy that's going to be on everyone's hot list for best linebackers coach. He's looking for a guy who knows how he wants things run and understands what Matt Rule's system is. And, you know, that's generally why I think you're going to see internal promotions. The the next opportunity that you have, um, you know, obviously Bob Wager, that just happened. But the next opportunity that you have, and that was an internal one, though that had as much to do with timing, um, I think Philip Simpson's going to end up as a full-time assistant coach. If Terrence Knighton has NFL opportunities, which wouldn't surprise me, then it's going to be the next guy up. And they have people like that at all of these different positions. Uh, Adam D. Michelle, they, they do. They, yeah. have a, they have a lot of those guys. Well, and I think, I think if you look at how Matt Rule does it a lot, he wants them to start in the recruiting department, learn what his recruiting process is, mm. get a feel for the evaluation and what it is like to be on that end of it, and then you move into everything else. Like I, it's almost like an assembly line for assistant coaches. If you look at his stops throughout his career and how he's sort of done these things. Shafe, I'm I'm curious. I was listening to Rule talk the other day, and he's you know he's talking about taking him to go see Hamilton. He's t- talking about like having him watch <laughs> Bud Crawford, and he says that we just want to be around excellence. We just want to be around excellence, whatever it looks like. And I'm curious. I like that sounds good, right? I like how that sounds in theory. I guess my question is, and maybe this isn't a fair question, but how much of that can actually translate? How much of that actually matters? Or just like, ah, we just want to go see Hamilton. Um, I mean, I I think team activity obviously is good. Um, The way that you sort of phrased it with both Hamilton and Crawford I guess I kind of think about it in the sense of like, if you're going to have a team activity and you're going to watch something, watching two of the best at what they do uh, sort of stands out in terms of you can watch Hamilton and come away with just complete, uh, you know, and just being completely impressed by the technical regard of everything they have to do. And Mm -hmm. it's not football, but you know, the choreography, like every, everything has to be hit for this to look like a success. If you think of, of Hamilton as a musical and Nebraska running the football in the same way, the choreography in the background has to work to enhance everything in front of it. The choreography of your offensive line has to enhance what's happening with your running backs, what's happening with the overall play call. So I guess if, if you're really looking to deep dive on it, mm-hmm. showing really successful things through a team atmosphere and kind of ingraining in their brain, like, you know, we're, we're going out, we're doing this, we're doing it as a team but we're also watching things that are really successful. Bud Crawford, you know, another example. Like, I I think it almost doubly reinforces 
you know, how you have to do these things. Now, that might be going a little bit deep. It might just be a, hey, we need a team activity. We're all stuck here in the dorms. But I, I think there might be something to that idea. Shafe, given what you know and kind of what you're learning since December with this staff and the culture, would you rather be an old guy resetting mm. or a young guy having to get ramped up to speed? Hmm. Um, I don't know. I think they both have their own benefits, right? Like if you're, if you're an older player, I, one of the things that happens with a coaching transition that always fascinates me and I can't speak to it. Uh, but if you're a guy and you're Luke Reimer and you had Barrett Rude for, you know, the entire duration of your career at Nebraska, and mm -hmm. now you have Rob Dvorak, is there a benefit that you get from, you know, we talk about fresh eyes, but is there a benefit you get from a fresh voice, from a fresh perspective? It's because I think with some of these guys, especially some of these defenders, you know, I look at the defensive line, Ty Robinson probably needed Terrence Knight. Ty Robinson probably wasn't going to get any better doing the same things under Mike Dawson for a third year. So I, I, I look at that and I see an enhanced benefit in it. And then I look at some of the younger guys and I see an opportunity for them to learn very early on what the standard is, what the expectation is, where the goal is, and then work towards it. So I think there's benefits to both. And I'm going to take a very fence-sitting answer and answer it that way. So, But it's interesting you use both those guys because I think – and I don't know the conversation. I just remember the day. And I said this one time on the show a couple months ago where I remember Ty Robinson spending a lot of time sitting with Coach Rule outside the stadium in front of the statue. I was doing some other business. I kind of walked by him. And I bet I was in there oh, at least an hour. And I came back, and they were still sitting. Like, and it wasn't warm outside either. Like, so that let me know, kind of know that they were they – were in-depth about something and it's funny you use Reimer because I think it took some time to make sure that Reimer all in maybe isn't the word but for a likable coach like Rude that coached the way that he did and you've had some success when you were healthy I think that trans that relationship with Dvorak probably took some time right I think oh, yeah. the staff had to kind of wait that out to see where guys like Reimer were yeah, but I, I think if you're Luke Reimer and you can approach it like, okay, I have this as a base, and I learned this from a former NFL player, but here's someone else, and he can provide something else. Mm -hmm. Like I, I don't always, I don't know what player said it. It was somebody in the spring sort of talked about how you know, he's figured out because he's had so many different position coaches to to sort of use the best of all of them. You know, like I, it might have been Nash Hutmacher talking about Tony Tuioti and then Mike Dawson, and now Terrence Knighton, and how he's able to sort of utilize different things from each of them. And so I, I just think there's sometimes a benefit from either side of it. Uh, but, yeah, I, some of it has to be just how quickly can you develop that relationship with a new coach, and especially if you had a strong relationship with the old coach. Mm. Uh, but I, I do think there can absolutely be a benefit. Like, it doesn't have to just be a, all right, this guy's a veteran. I can just give them the, the talking points and we can move forward. I think there's definitely ways to learn from each other. Shafe, I'm curious. I want to kind of talk about Ethan Piper here for a second. Oh, talk about benefiting from from new eyes. Not, not having new eyes. Right. The consistency. Um, I'm curious because Ethan Piper seems to be sort of one of the poster children for 
the ideals of what the new staff is preaching, right? And he seems to be the embodiment of, of a lot of these things, certainly the most prominent on the offensive line being, you know, an honorary single number guy being at media days, things like that. Uh, my question is sort of more generally, how do you balance a guy that's kind of right on that fringe of starting, I think, I, I think, versus a guy who very clearly is the epitome of what you want your football team to represent I guess how much of a nudge does that give him in your mind in terms of actually playing and getting on the field and those sorts of things? Does that, does that kind of make sense? Yeah, it does. Um, I think it, it matters to a degree. I mean, obviously if Ethan Piper is consistent day in and day out and you know, the version of him that you're going to get when you put him on the football field, that makes it easier to play him in some regard. So Mm -hmm. You know, if it's an Ethan Piper or Henry Lutovsky conversation, then I think it comes down to if you're getting the consistency out of Ethan Piper, you're going to probably reward him with that playing time. So um, I I also, you know, I don't know that there's going to be a rotation, but I don't think it'll be just five offensive linemen to start the year and only five offensive linemen. Like I, I could see guys having an opportunity to work in and out. And I could see if you have an Ethan Piper and, you know, he he maybe starts for you, but then there's a series or two where you're trying to work somebody else in or whatever it is. I think there's ways that he can be good depth. I do feel like he has emerged as a leader for that offensive line, as a vocal leader, maybe just for the culture of Matt Rule. I mean, that was something that happened in the spring. He's one of the first guys to talk. And he's sort of interesting, right? Like he grew up a Nebraska fan. He committed to Scott Frost and that staff. He desperately wants his place to be successful. Uh, and he talked about how dead inside he basically felt last year, walking through mm. the hallways, knowing mm. where this program had kind of fallen and knowing that he was part of it. Right. And so I think having him as kind of an, a vocal, emotional leader isn't the worst thing in the world. And he's going to represent you really well. So. I think there's ways that you can utilize them on the field, but if Henry Lutovsky makes a big jump or whoever, I'm just using that as an example, you know, it's not going to necessarily keep him on the field, but he can still provide a lot of value for you in your locker room too. A leader. Yeah, him. Hey, Shafe, we're uh, safe to say you're at Bellevue West Friday night? I will not be able to make it on Friday night. What the? I did not consult week zero before I scheduled another obligation. However, we will have Husker 24-7 at the game. So, you know, we'll be covered. I will be – I will see Bellevue West for the first time that I see Omaha Westside because I made the decision I will not be going to Colorado. I will be going to that game instead on Friday night. All right, we'll see you on September 9th. There we go. There you go. Shafe, we appreciate it, bud. All right, thanks for having me on, guys. Thanks, Mike J. That's our friend Mike J. Schaefer from Husker 24-7. We got more stuff. We'll stuff. Get to, we'll get stuff to everything. And things and all, stuff. All sorts of ish coming up next here on Coffee and Cream. Coffee and Cream with Rogers and Benning on Hale Varsity Radio. A um, little bit of everything. Um, you know, with this offense, Coach G talks about it's a positionless offense. So, you know, I like to make sure I'm learning concepts and learning really what everybody's job is. And so I've been kind of put in different places all over the field. Welcome back to Coffee and Cream on Hale Varsity Radio, AM 590 ESPN Omaha. We are on KFOR in Lincoln as well. My guy Damon Benning here with me. 
What's up? Ravi Lula here. Shane Schillerberg doing his thing as well. And we're brought to you by Dingman's Collision Center. Ding! They've got a great give back program for every car, every car repair. You can go check out uh, more information on that give back program at dingmans.com slash r dash community. Been in business for over 25 years. They can work on any make and model of car because they got the latest technology. Four locations throughout the metro, including a standalone mechanical shop at 120th and Maple. That's Voted my spot. 120th and Maple? Yeah. yeah. That's Well, I've been there twice. Uh, I took Caleb's car there as well. But my original, the OG, mm-hmm. was the one off of Saddle Creek. Okay. All right. Yeah. It's, it's, it's right. It's a very tricky little intersection. Right there. It's kind of like a diagonal. It's like a smushed X. It's like a diagonal four-way. <laughs> Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, those are those are that's a that's a <laughs> one of the goofiest interchanges in Omaha. It really is. It's ridiculous. Yeah, I don't even know. Like whoever was putting that together was was on one that yeah. day. It's almost like there was a vertical X and they just decided to smush it. Yeah, it's like somebody was like one of the civil planning engineers was like on a lost a bet or something. Is it is it kind of like a Weapon X? It's kind of like kind of like a Weapon X hybrid type of a guy. Is it kind of a hybrid type of a corner? <laughs> This dude, <laughs> you been sitting on that? What are we doing? What are yeah, we, what are we doing over there? I have no idea. Um, <laughs> wow. What we're doing? Not bad Is though, Shake. What? No, no, you're good, Coach. You're what good. we're doing over here is uh, checking out the AP poll that came out yesterday. Is it really hard to hear in here? Or is it just me? <laughs> <laughs> See, that's where everybody. That's where everybody. That's where everybody got it from. They did, yeah. It's a it's a rural thing that he's he's. I don't know what I don't know what his deal is. It, it's just makeshift. I'll back away. It's, I'll back away. It's now. Me, it's makeshift. Yeah, you know? I, I guess. And you I know, guess. like they'll just wait a little while. Like they'll have plush media availability new stuff. when they get to the new digs. Yeah, I think no. that's right. Well, you know, you just gotta hold out till you get there. Um, Everybody so, sounds the same. It's fine. I'll say, I don't notice. I don't. I think it sounds fine. No, I'm talking about the answers. Oh, well, yeah. I mean, unless it's Coach Rule. Well, we get a lot of that, you know. Someone has a phone call here. Common language, Um, talking about everybody on the same page. I'm just going to keep talking while I'm playing these drops. I'm I'm, just going to power through. I'm team common language. So I actually had a a question about this because so we were talking a little bit about it. I don't know. At some point, it's hard to keep track of our conversations. (laughs) Um, So now it's like I'm not even sure if it's on air. I know. That's the problem. Because. We talk about a lot, like but, over the. F- yeah, text. just whether it's the podcast, whether it's Dude, on the show, now, and now that you're hitting me on email. Well, I just wanted you to have like the. No, I got you. listen. I appreciate the it. notes, and right? It's, it's on my phone too. Yeah, so like I'm usually if I'm on my phone writing notes, then I usually do it in an email. Yeah, and then it's easier to just send that to you than to like copy and paste it into a text. So currently, my email sitch. I told Sasha I was going to clean it up. Oh no! How many do you have? Uh, 2,400. That's a lot, my guy. Yeah. So if I ever email you something, I need to text you and told you, tell you I emailed it to you? Well, on, on my Gmail, I'm at 84% capacity. That's high. Yeah, I'm going to delete 8,000 emails. You're allowed a lot of emails on Gmail before yeah, you hit capacity. Yeah, but you know what? Like, I, maybe I just need to mix in and unsubscribe. Oh, you got For sure. And yeah, they kind of help you out that. there now. They kind of give you, like, suggestions. If it's like, hey, you haven't opened an email from this person in a while, would you like to unsubscribe? Listen to this guy. They do. 
Okay. It's helpful. I'm going to get on it. I've subscribed to a bunch of stuff because I'm, you know, I'm always trying to get like 10% off or whatever when I'm going to a website, so I end up subscribed to a lot of stuff. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> wow. No, I had a real – I, 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 I'm not offended. I had a real football question for you. Uh, well, at least a real common language question for yeah. you. So we were talking about how it can be used for accountability. That kind of seems like one of the main purposes of it, right? We talked about how it can be used for edification, right? Like building people up. I was thinking last night, though, or maybe a couple nights ago. I don't know what day it is. Um, I was thinking a couple nights ago about setting expectations and how useful common language can be in expectation setting, right? Because here's an example. When I first started playing college basketball, um, Somebody was using the term, hey, I want you to show on that ball screen, right? I was coming from a place where it was called something else, right? So in my mind, when they say show, that meant one thing to me. Maybe stand back a little bit, like cover them, but not go all the way out like an ice or a hard hedge, which is what I was used to calling it. When they said show, they wanted an ice. So I'm think they say show, I'm thinking – they want, you to ice, they want you to ice a ball screen. And it took probably two weeks before, like, they kept like, hey, you need to show on that. You need to show on that. I was mm-hmm. like, I am showing on that. What are you asking me to do here? I'm here. And finally, they go, I'm like, hey, what do you mean when you say show? Uh-huh. And they're like, I want you to do this. And I was like, we used to call that ice. That's where the problem was, right? Okay. Yep. 100%. How useful is that? Like, Obviously, you're coaching high school kids. You've got the background. How useful is it just so everyone is on the same page? Because I feel like if it happened to me, it can't be totally foreign. It can't be a totally alien experience when you're getting into a new system where it's like, oh, we used to call it this. I had no idea what you were asking me to do. Yeah, so it's funny you bring this up just because I, I keep this as a, as a, ref, a refresher mm-hmm. for the season because I always like to go back and – and see if we're hitting on goals. So this is a staff meeting on 424. Mm-hmm. It's way back in April. Yep. Okay. It's still high school. <laughs> it's way back in April. <laughs> right? This was like our second staff meeting. Um, what's number one, say, when you read it? Own the culture, coach in a way that fits the culture. What's number two, say? Common language. What's number three, say? BCEs. Blaming, complaining, explaining. Not right. before Common Era. We're not. <laughs> so those yeah. three things, right? Yeah. Are things that we always have to be doing. Yeah. Why? Because it's what you said. We had we spent forty five minutes mm-hmm. flushing out a term we'd like to use, a term we don't like to use. Mm-hmm. If we're gonna say this, we actually better do it. So the position group guys got to talk about what their verbiage means and how everybody has to use the same verbiage. Why? They wanted consistency with the kids. Because they felt like yeah. if people use the same verbiage, and I, like if I say, hey, strike, and somebody else says, shoot your hands, or, or whatever it, yeah. it is, right, like show versus ice, at that age, like, you get so many different people. And we try to get multiple people ready to play, right? We yeah. don't have, like, I mean, we're going we're gonna to play a lot of guys. 
And so um, that was really, really important for him to, to go over early. And I can't tell you how many times we would sit and there would be a pause and I would say, well, I don't call it that. Like, I'd call it this, right? Where weak side, strong side versus closed or open mm-hmm. or, you know, they, they, they mean the same thing, but what are we going to say? Are yeah. we going to say, is it strong, weak? It, like, so those things matter because what happens is, is it helps with retention. Yeah. It's just really, really repetitive. Well, and not just with retention, but it eliminates ambiguity, right? That's probably first and foremost. That's, to me, what, why it's most important, yeah. important right? Because if everybody is talking about the same thing and the using same way. the same language yeah. to talk about it, then there is zero room for interpretation. So you know what happens once it starts to get – you can use shorthand. Yes. Yeah. So, so that's – you know, because staffs are different, right? Some staffs coach on the fly. Mm-hmm. Some guys wait till you get in the film room. Some, like, and so everybody has to be on the same page with that. Mm-hmm. And our, our coach is still a little, I wouldn't say controlling, but like he'll say, hey, listen, we'll correct later. Mm-hmm. Or, hey, take your time. This is a correction teaching period. We may not get through everything. Mm. So even just saying that mm. – <laughs> yeah. let, let you know and, and, and I think it's interesting because I've watched these guys uh, on more than a few occasions now like they'll stop practice to teach Yeah. some staffs that would drive crazy sure others that's the way that they do business I think with this young team being able to use common language like that it just helps further set the culture right because you have to get it right because you have so many new guys. Yeah. Maybe next year. Well, even the old guys are new, right? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, really. Maybe next year it'll be different. Maybe this will always be a teaching developmental staff. Yeah. But ever since they started calling themselves, hey, we're a developmental program. They've been about it. They speak it into existence. All right. We've got the Sports Six Pack coming up next on Coffee and Cream. Drew Rogers and Damon Benning, presented by Zipline Brewing Company, makers of Dear Old Nebraska Brew, the official beer of Nebraska alumni. Welcome back to Coffee and Cream. That can mean only one thing, that noise you hear. It is time for the Zipline Sports six-pack. Of course, you've got that Dear Old Nebraska Brew, perfect for tailgating. Clean, crisp, and easy to drink. You know I like it when it's easy to drink. That's my go-to if I'm going for a beer. I need an easy drinker. I'm not one of those not one of those guys that wants my beer to taste like a meal. I want it to be easy to drink. I like those summer beers all year round. Yeah. And you want your eight hours of beer drinking like this weekend. Oh, I didn't do any beers this weekend. No? No. If, you're gonna, if I'm drinking for like an extended period of time... Eight hours is a long time. It was, yeah. I don't do beers, though, because I fill up too much. So I was doing some other stuff. But if I'm just having a nice <laughs> casual, zip, zip line. I'm hitting my zip line, dear so, old Nebraska So you brew. like for your beer to be a little more golden than dark? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I'm kind of a – So you'd love their ale, their Nebraska ale. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's right up my alley. Because I did I tell you the funny story when we went to a place in Lincoln? Uh-uh. It was uh, Hopcat, and it was after – State basketball, and one of the guys that I was with, uh, he coaches youth. Re- anyway, he wanted like a 
I went to go order for him, and he like wanted a Bud Light, and the guy didn't even say anything, and he gave me a, just gave me a beer. Yeah. And I took it back to the table to him, and he loved it, right? And he's when he went back to go get his own, he's like, they don't have Bud Light, and he asked the guy what it was, and it was. Dear old Nebraska, Dear old Nebraska, you. It's uh, yeah, so that so it has to be kind of light. Yeah, right? it's a lighter. It's an easy drinker. Um, What'd you say when you went back to the table? Well, how about a beer? <laughs> yeah, I want Brent Musburger. How about a beer? <laughs> All right, Shano, let's get started. Question number one. You know, I I miss. Cam and Sasha reading these because all I had to do <laughs> I was listened drink. to her last week. <laughs> Did you like having Sasha as your security? Yeah, blanket? it was good. She's was like good. your your Linus blue blanket. <laughs> it's like my my emotional support water we, bottle. We gotta here. let Shane get out more. We no. do. We do. He said no. No. All right, Shane. What do we got? If you had to place a bet on summer league or NFL preseason, which would you choose? So oh we were talking gosh. yesterday. That's pure degenerate zone right there. NBA Not. Summer League or NFL preseason? Uh, NFL preseason. Yeah, me too. I think there's like a slightly more predictability to NFL no, preseason. Not, not ever doing either, but I wouldn't that. either. But you know, <laughs> if I had to choose, I'm going NFL preseason. Finger, fake gun to head. NFL preseason. All right, Shane. What's next? Question number two. All right, if you could pick one. Just one transfer quarterback from the Big Ten West for your team. Which would you choose? So of all the guys, all the transfer quarterbacks that are slated to start in the Big Ten West this year, who are you thinking? I would probably take... So this isn't offense specific. No, nope, right? this just is just don't overthink it. Yep. Uh, I'll take Hudson Card. Hmm. Oh, interesting. I think I might go McNamara. He seems like kind of the safe pick. Gosh, should, should I have a, Should we pick Sims? Well, I Sims if, is if you're doing a very specific kind of offense, I think. But I think Card. Well, I think McNamara is the safe answer. I think Card is probably the next safest. I think there's a lot of variance potential with Sims. Huh. Even if you like him, I think there's yeah. some variance potential there. May get the most upside. Oh, for sure. I think high ceiling, but maybe a little bit lower floor. Oh, gotcha. I'll take Card. All right. Question number three. That's a, that's a tough one. If I could guarantee you quality play on the offensive line or the defensive line, what would you choose? So we're talking like a solid B, I think. Not world beaters, but like very solid. Uh, it's a tough question for me because I think you're you're dealing with okay, if if your offensive line is solid, you're assuming maybe that helps Jeff Sims, maybe that helps the running game. But I'm, I'm going to go D-line. See, I do too. I'm going to go D-line. Because if they give me a good D-line, I feel really good about the defense. Yeah. And I'll take the whole unit being solid. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll go D-line. Again, another tough one. Well, you know, I'm trying to make, you, trying to make the brain, you know, kind of get cranking this morning. Man, uh, D-line by a hair. I think so too. You guys can pick D-line all you want. I'm picking zip-line. <laughs> Question number four. What a company, man. If you could pick one team from outside the top ten to make 
the college football playoff, who would it be? So we had our AP poll come out yesterday, and DB and I were talking a little bit off air about maybe some of the teams we like outside that top 10. 17 of the last 20 national championships, national champions have been from that top 10. Most recent outside was 2013 Florida State when Jameis Winston came on the scene. Yeah, and your, your lowly boo-hoo Alabama Crimson Tide came in at four. Lowest ranking since 2009. That, isn't that wild? It's crazy. I mean, it's 14 years. That's a long time. But and, think, and they're fourth. But think about this. Florida State had a run of 14 straight years where they finished in the top four. Oh, I know. <laughs> Isn't that, like, unreal to think about? <laughs> that is, uh, that's silly. That's crazy. That's Bobby Bowden. That's good stuff right that's there. That's Mickey Andrews. Uh, it is Mickey Andrews. People forget about Mickey Andrews. Yeah. Um, Great interview. So we've got some of the candidates, Texas, Tennessee, Notre Dame, Utah, Oregon, Kansas State, TCU, Oregon State, Wisconsin, Oklahoma. Any of those jumping out to you? You got your Tulane down at 24. Tulane's got a chance to run the table. But even if they run the table, they're probably not making that playoff. Yeah. The schedule's not strong enough, right? It's not. That, so that old Miss, and I remember talking to Brian Edwards about this, that old Miss, Tulane in week two. And old Miss, that's on the road, I think, for the Rebels. I have to go back and look. I think you're right. I think that's at Tulane. But two, Ole Miss would have to end up being awesome, and Tulane would have to smoke them for that to carry them into the playoff. Yeah. Um, do I have a Katy Perry dark horse? What, you felt like you smoked it? You want mine? Yeah. I think we're going Utah. Mm. See, Cam Rising may not start out healthy, though. I understand that, but I love Kyle Whittingham, yeah. and he's telling me that this is the best team he's ever had. Yeah, I'm, I'm going with Notre Dame. You kind of like Notre Dame this I year. I do. It was between Notre Dame and K-State. You like, um, is it the Sam Hartman deal? <laughs> I, is it Marcus Freeman? It's, uh, it's Freeman. They've recruited well. I think Hartman will help them. And defensively, they got a couple of thoroughbreds. They do. They like, certainly do. Um, and they'll, they'll be a little bit more dynamic on offense where they don't just have to run the ball and hope for the best. I, I like Notre Dame. The QB play last year was low-key really bad. Yeah, I'll – yeah, and they were still starters, yeah. pretty solid yep. as a football team. Give me the domers. Okay. What's next? If Cam Rising was healthy, I'm with you. Yeah, I like, I like Utah a lot. Question number five. You are starting a franchise with a quarterback in the, in the NFL. Only Patrick Mahomes is not available. Who are you going with? Gee, many Christmas. Am I, is these, are these too hard for the six-pack today? Are these more, more hard alcohol drinks that we're going to? <laughs> these aren't soft drinks? I have my guy. Not named Mahomes. Anybody but Mahomes is on the table. We're doing an expansion draft. Only Mahomes was protected at quarterback. Inexplicably. So I'm basically talking that Burrow, Lawrence... Allen, I if don't you're want, into it. I don't him. want Josh Allen. Herbert, if you're into it. Don't want Herbert. Maybe Lamar, if you're into it. Don't want Lammer. Uh, Rob. Uh, Brock Purdy, if you're smart. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> give, <laughs> give me. Give me Trevor Lawrence. See, I was down to Burrow and Lawrence, 
and I think I landed on Burrow. I, I but mean, I can't not, fault you for Lawrence. I'm definitely not going to fight you over that. Yeah, I'm not either. Those were my two guys. We're Lawrence and Burrow. But I'll I'll take Lawrence. I I'm I'm all in on Lawrence. I think. But man, how how average does Cincy seem in your head without? That's Burrow? why I can't get over Burrow. And and I know Chase is spectacular. But I'm obsessed with that dude. Burrow's like everywhere he and he's such a winner. Yes, he's everywhere he goes, he wins. I could I could talk myself into Burrow because yeah. I love because I I just I, I love, love him. him. Yeah, I'll I'll go with Lawrence, even though I think Jayville may be a little overvalued right now. Uh, last one, Shane. Question number six. <laughs> Who do you think? <laughs> Who do you think ends up leading Nebraska in rushing this year? Oh, Lord have mercy. So we got the running backs. We got Grant. We got Irvin. Um, maybe, I don't know, I'm going to throw Ramir Johnson in there. Emmett I'll Johnson got a shout-out the other day. Uh, especially on special teams. He was a throw-in, too. I'll take, uh, I'll take Grant. I'm going to go wild card on you here. I'm going Jeff Sims. He's never rushed for more than, like, 470 yards. I think they're going to use a lot of QB run. I don't know if it'll be him, though. I think some of it will be him. Yeah. And I think they might be distributing the rest of the carries too evenly. To Like, you might have – could I sell you on, like, three guys rushing for 450 yards? That'd be awesome. Like, with that – you could see maybe that, yeah. though? Yeah. Give me, give me, give me, uh, give me Grant, though. All right. I actually feel kind of good about that. That's our Zipline Sports six-pack brought to you by dear old Nebraska Brew. That's all for today. We are out of time. Blessed union of souls. Uh, I think Andrew Rogers is back in this chair tomorrow. Who knows? I don't know. We'll see. Flip a Damon coin. Benning will be back. Shane Schilberg never leaves. This has been another edition <laughs> of Coffee and Cream here on Hale Varsity Radio. We'll see you tomorrow.